BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're going to die. So why are you wasting so much time not taking risks and doing the things that you want? In this podcast, you're going to find all the inspiration you need to live the life that you've been waiting for. And through the power of storytelling, interviews, and much, much more, we're going to help you achieve just that. Cool, man. That's perfect. Having a good conversation. Good old conversation. <laughs> right, man. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. How yeah. are you? Feeling good? Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I, uh, I'm excited to be on here. It's interesting, man. How many miles have you flown over? Oh gosh, I mean, Do you know how so, many miles it is? I don't know off the top of my head because uh, obviously, well, from Minneapolis to Chicago and then over to London and then went to Croatia in the past week. So I don't even know how many miles that is, but yeah. literally across that's, half the world. That's so, distance, bro. Yeah, that is distance. How were the countries? All right. Yeah, absolutely loved Croatia, especially. Um, yeah, had a great time there. The sun was beautiful. Did a lot of cliff diving, stuff like that. Explored this really cool. Uh, abandoned uh, abandoned military fort which was awesome Did you? Had, yeah yeah had great views from there <laughs> you could see like the whole coastline for, of pula and uh yeah it was absolutely gorgeous i didn't even know croatia had a fucking military it's so yeah, small that area is so small the country's tiny as well so it's like that's sick, man. I'm yeah. interested. Whereabouts was it? Like, how far from the, the normal jump spot? Because obviously, like, I've I've been to the jump spot before as sure. well, by the way. Like, we went uh, last year. Yeah. Yeah, so from there, there's like the normal jump spot, and then there's a larger jump spot that has like the 20 meter yeah, jumps. Yeah, the, the one, the yeah. big motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, so if you I keep following one. along the coastline, not too much further from that, you'll find like a stairway that goes down um, and leads into, well, you'll see like this smashed out door uh, for a bunker, and then you go through that door, and then. Um, you go up a ton more stairs and uh, just stairs that upon place stairs is just through a tunnel. Leg burns. Yeah, exactly. Just Literally leg, leg day. <laughs> I hope you I hope you have good calves on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, you climb up and up and up, and then you go through um, some. You get outside again, and you go through the, like these really cool passageways that almost remind me of. Um, like if you were playing like Prince of Persia or Assassin's Creed or something like that, yeah, just that vibe there. with like the the ruins almost. Um, yeah, you walk through that and then you get into this really cool old circular building that was made out of stone and uh, climb climb to the top of that. And then there's just a beautiful view up there. So I wound up doing twice on that. Uh, went up for a sunset or excuse me, sunrise mission and then a sunset mission the next day. So, uh, man, that's so sick. Did yeah. you sleep there at all? Or did you just stay at the one, the one camp spot? We time? stayed at the one camp spot, but we're like, sheesh, we should have brought our uh, hammocks here for one yeah. night. Cause there's perfect, uh, poles for hanging them on up that's there. So crazy, man. Croatia is a weird country. Like when I first got there, I, I did, before I went to Croatia, I hadn't even had like any experience about what the country was. I don't even still know. I don't even know what the history is. Like normally I make like an active effort when it comes to like traveling and stuff. Like I like to make an active effort about finding yeah. out 
out a bit at least about their actual culture and their history so mm-hmm. i can like i don't know be like informed you know what i mean because the the culture here compared to america for example if you just don't know Torin <laughs> is from america if you can tell by the accent and it's like i'd normally do that but when i went there it was like we were completely isolated as well mm-hmm. it was like we went to that one campsite it was all co- it was still covidy as well at the time so there was mm-hmm. no one really around like and i didn't really meet many locals so i really still don't know much about it so great yeah crazy place yeah, we wound up meeting these uh, uh, Canadian-Serbian guys and uh, who were super cool. And I went out with them one day to a city nearby called Romani, I want to say it's mm-hmm. called. And um, basically it was touted as being, uh, you know, almost more Roman than Italy. And I mean, it really was quite beautiful. Like when you're walking through all the narrow winding streets and just, you know, seeing like the bicycles and all that vibe, it's just such much much different vibe than where i live so uh mm. i really enjoy just wandering wandering European, the town doing yeah. street photography and whatnot with That's those so guys cool, man. i'm glad you enjoyed it what what um cliff did you jump what, what's your highest you did i did a 20 meter no way yeah that was my very last send i was Bruh. slightly scared of it but yet at the because like you know doing rooftoping in urbex it's like we are spending so much time and energy actively trying to be safe and not fall off and now it's like you're doing it on purpose and so it's this whole huge mental barrier to really I've push always through. said that bro on the literal side of the cliff i i can't remember i think i did the same one as you um and when i was there i literally said to everyone i was like this is so weird you're literally pushing like the boundary between like your brain thinks you're not safe like you shouldn't yep. be doing this and then to take that commitment when you're in the air it's just like well, it's now or never. Like, it's such a crazy experience, such a crazy feeling, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's... I, I, I've been working on, like, backflips and stuff, too, and it's that same thing, pushing yourself to, like, do something your body doesn't really want to do, but you got to push yourself to do it, but not think too much about it at yeah. the same time, if that makes sense. Because if you overthink it, your body goes into, like, caveman mode, and it's like, you shouldn't be doing this. But then if you don't overthink it, you don't prepare enough, or you don't... Yeah, you do know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, one of the most helpful things, too, is just having someone count it down and being oh, like, three, fine. two, one. And then you have yeah. to send it, because otherwise it's a letdown. Yeah. I'm a free 2 one bro. When someone gasses me up and goes, like, free 2 one motivates me a lot. My girlfriend, for example, if I free 2 one her, she stresses the fuck out. Like, there's too much <laughs> pressure on her for that. Like, she don't like the free 2 ones. But yeah, bro, there's something just about, like, like pushing that boundary of like you're on the kind of brink of what your brain considers life and death at that point yep. so it's like when you when you're just in the air you're like nah bro your body and your soul is telling you that's what i love about extreme sports mm-hmm. like i've always said is like when you push yourself beyond that commitment on a regular basis it's almost like if you can win that battle you can win most battles you know what i mean it's, it's a crazy experience but i'm glad you did the 20 because the 20 was big bro the 20 was yeah big <laughs> how would you feel when you hit the water because i felt like a sack of fucking potatoes it it didn't hurt as bad as I thought it might, but um, while I was, you know, while I was doing it, there's, you know, you're supposed to, or the best way is to cross your legs together. But I could feel as I like crossed my legs together, they were starting to come apart as they hit the water. <laughs> so like I did kind of, I think, go in on my side a little bit and yeah. hurt a little bit, but it wasn't wasn't too terrible. Just mostly my bollocks, but that's all right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, when I did it. I've always taken like the technique of, of where like you kind of hit the water at mm-hmm. like a banana-y angle mm-hmm. so that I, I don't like going too deep. Like sure. the idea of going too deep when I hit the water like a pencil scares me. Mm-hmm. Just think, I don't know, in case there's something there, you know what I mean? Like I've right. jumped in some pretty sketchy spots where I can see trees under the water. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like I've always actively done like the whole banana split. But by doing that, you have to enter the water at kind of an angle. And it's like mm-hmm. when you do that, you're kind of um, unloading a bit of, of that shock onto your ass. And it's like right. you slap your ass. 
So when I was doing it, I, I uh, yeah, that that particular jump, I pretty much nailed. I'd say like the, the landing was okay. I should have tensed up more though, because mm. when I hit the water, I folded like a fucking crep, bro. Like I was oh, in yeah. half. Like it was fucking, it was crazy. Yeah, I just plunged pretty deep. My one worry is I'm jellyfish it's kind of weird because like they're, they, <laughs> bro you're a big guy you they, can't be scared of i know they kind of scare me though like i'm i don't know why i'm afraid of like getting stung by a jellyfish or like them i don't know anything with tentacles is like kind of scary so i'll look at it i'll be like that's both cool and terrifying at the same time bro, you know have you ever been stung by a jellyfish uh my parents said i was when i was really little on the beach in florida yeah. so that might be where the fear comes from bro, i don't remember it though I, i've never well i've been stung once on my foot i think actually yeah a couple times i went to foreman terror which is an island off of ibiza with my girlfriend mm. and we were in the water and one stung my foot and bro it hurt it hurt it, not enough to be like ow but like a st- do you know what a stinging nettle is oh yeah yeah like yeah the plants mm-hmm. here i don't know yeah. if you have them where you we have them yeah and they sting your legs it's a nightmare it was like that kind of pain but i uh i saw a horrific thing with a jellyfish once bro i went to a um oh like you know those on the water obstacle courses mm-hmm. in spain in a place called girona which is like uh, about an hour and a half outside of barcelona city and there was this little girl and you have to wear these life vest things. It's just obviously part of it. Like they love to say health and safety, but the guy who was health and safety and was sat there back with music in his ears, mm. like not really doing much. And some poor little girl jumped into the water. And as she jumped into the water, her vest is like pulled in front of her and mm-hmm. a jellyfish has gone up her vest. She must've been like, I'd say eight years old. And then I swear to you, bro, I've never heard someone scream more oh. like they're being murdered in my life. She stands up, she's going, ah, she opens her vest and there's a jellyfish stuck to her oh. chest and it's just bro it's red and like kind of like blistery all over her chest and the lifeguard took about 20 well i say 20 minutes took about a minute to get mm. over there like leisurely swam over and this girl just, bro that's a, that's a core memory installed to that girl she's para she's paralyzed she's um petrified of, of those for life like there's no coming back from that that's right yeah i'm like i'm not scared of spiders or stuff like that but somehow the image of a jellyfish doing that just terrifies me yeah gee no no i, I mean i would do you have any other animal fears like for me fears of animals like one thing that scared me recently i don't like monkeys too much no more you oh know? really recently like I, I like monkeys i think they're the most intelligent animals well not the most intelligent but one of the most like well-developed animals mm. in the world but bro i saw a video recently yeah, of a fucking monkey like played like do you know those ones that crawl all over you looking all cute like the barley barley mm. bitch type photo like with a monkey mm. on their shoulder yeah was just chilling on this guy's shoulder in, in india or somewhere and it grabbed his hair and yanked his scalp off oh holy crap what right yanked his scalp off like there's a video just going like that and he goes how Quack. can they have so much strength to bro oh. they are they're, they're scary monkeys are these are wild ass animals and people are letting them crawl Whoa. over them and that like you need to remember that so yeah recently bro monkeys have been on the hit list for me i'm not really a big fan of like I, I, if i ever go to like the bali or any well when i go mm. to bali i'm not touching none of them like they're not coming near me because i've seen and like they they bro there's another video like of one riding a little mini motorbike, like a little <laughs> mini monkey motorbike, drives the fucking down the road, jumps, ghosts it, like mm-hmm. ghosts the motorbike, grabs someone's baby, mm-hmm. and tries to run off with the baby. Ooh. Sheesh! What yeah. the heck? Yeah, bro. No, monkeys are actually on the on the hit list, man. I'm not I'm not a fan of them. But other than that, I don't really have any big animal fears. Like I just I'm respectful of nature, mm-hmm. and I know that a lot of things could fuck me up. Right. And right. I avoid that basically. Right. Like, that's my way to deal with it. I don't know about you. But, but yeah yeah i guess i would say it would be maybe a healthy respect of of certain creatures like uh you know alligators and crocodiles for instance uh you run into those like in you know, especially some of the southern states like florida i remember one time i was at disney world and i was walking to one of the water parks and there literally was an alligator just chilling on the sidewalk like 
right next to the yeah so <laughs> right next to the park basically so um those are scary you know those are kind of scary things just with all, with all the teeth and everything and i've heard they'll <laughs> carry away a small the skin child. that's like literally like three inches thick like, yeah they're freaking that. they look like dinosaurs practically i mean they, they kind of are, are you they know? are dinosaurs yeah so that and probably like bears, like big bears, like, you know, black bears, stuff like that. Because yeah. uh, uh, I haven't encountered them yet, not in the wild anyway, but uh, I do like to go camping sometimes um, up in the north part of the state and there are bears and stuff there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always like, well, what if a bear shows a better campsite or something yeah. like that? You know, um, that's not something you really want to have happen. But yeah. Bro, I've always loved I've, America to me right now is still one of those places. It's like literally like kind of a dream slash something of imagination. Like I've mm-hmm. watched. I've watched. I watch a guy on YouTube called Joe Robinette. He he does like camping videos. He does all like the whole building of his own shit. Like I like that kind of stuff. I like like being in touch with the whole primal side of things. And yeah. I watch videos and like when I when I watch these videos and they talk about bears and mountain lions and all of these genuinely scary real world animals, like it's not even something I've ever been able to comprehend ever because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like here, bro. You can go camping anywhere in this country mm-hmm. and you will be safe pretty much. Right. Like there's no animal that's going to turn up and, and fuck you up. Like there's none. I don't think maybe like you get don't know like some rare disease off a mosquito or a, there's like obviously there's some kind of dangerous animals but like maybe like an adder or like mm-hmm. a python but they're not going to like unless you're real stupid you're not going to get find or find one of them or get killed by one of these so for me like that that kind of like awareness that oh we're going camping for the weekend but like mm. you actually have to plan these things like yep. for me i could go to those woods and be like yo i'm just going to I'm just going to um, tell it, bro. I told you to put your phone on silent. And, and I'm, really, oh, I'm actually an idiot, man. Sorry, but yeah. And like going to the woods locally is like you don't fear these things. But mm. for you, like if you went north or wherever and, and you went camping, it's like, and you're, for example, if you had kids or a wife or a girlfriend, you actually have to consider the fact that you might have to defend yourself against a fucking bear. Like, yeah, yeah. Nuts. Exactly. It's a good thing. So uh, my buddy Holden, uh, he uh, went through the whole Boy Scout Eagle Sp- Scout program, so he yeah. knows like everything how to deal with some of these situations, which yeah. is really helpful. Without him, I would definitely feel a little bit more scared up there, you know. Yeah. So it is helpful to like have knowledgeable people on certain things too. So yeah, no, you're right, man. And it's like it's like a lot of people, especially here. Like if we went over there, we'd be naive to it. A lot of English people, I, mm-hmm. I don't speak for all, but are very um unwilling to be educated. Like the classic like Ibiza party, Benidorm like right. a bit of Britain inside other countries. So when like, for example, if I went to America, like I would love, I would, I mean, I wouldn't love, I would literally seek out someone who knows something or mm-hmm. at least educate myself enough. Cause it's like, it's the matter of between losing your life, going on a camping trip. Like right. that is something like, do you know what I mean? Like I said, it's completely uncomprehendable. So I think like, it's really important for everyone in general to like, yeah, just make sure they're educated on this kind of stuff. Cause bro, imagine like you just, as a, a British person, you go to America, like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go on a cool <laughs> camping trip. And then like in the middle of the night, you just right. And you're fucking, <laughs> you've got in your tent, you've got like raw meat or like some fucking food from the next day. And it's like your next thing, you know, you're, you're fucking buried in the ground. Cause mm-hmm. this bear has tore you apart. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's certain things you even are supposed to do. Like for instance, um, you need to be careful about putting everything away again in like mm. a cooler that is latched. Um, certain things, if it you know makes a lot of smell, you got to hang it up in a tree. Like yeah. literally, put it in a rope and hang it off of a branch so that the animals can't get to it. Yeah, bro, that's actually nuts. Do you do much like wild camping, hiking, anything like that? Wild? Yeah, I've been getting into it more and more. Um, my fo- especially as I've gotten older, uh, I've 
So, like, I've done urbex for a number of years, but as I've gotten older, I've started to enjoy more types of exploration because mm-hmm. it's, we got such a big, beautiful world, and it's like if you confine yourself only to going to the top of roofs, you're yeah. going to miss the beautiful view from the top of mountains, which are yeah. bigger than any roof there yeah. ever was. Yeah, I um, love that, man. That's a real cool way to look at it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I just, I feel connected and more low-key, I think, too, when I'm out in nature. Um, I went uh, on a camping trip just a few weeks before this, actually, uh, with my buddy Holden, his girlfriend Gina, and a couple other people. And we went, we just, we hiked, we checked out waterfalls, uh, you know, we went swimming, uh, you know, just just proper chill stuff. Um, I really enjoy that. Campfires are the best, too. Like, the stories that come out just when you're chatting around a campfire at night. uh, Yeah. Whole yeah. vibe to itself. There must be a phenomenon in that. I've always noticed, like, some of the most deep conversations I've had, or some of the most interesting or, or bonding conversations I've ever had, have either been around a campfire or on a rooftop or mm-hmm. somewhere where it's like you're all sharing some kind of shared, like, experience. It's almost like that level of just like you're in a place together where not many people are kind of bond you. Similar, I don't want to compare it directly because I know a lot of people would be pissed, but like to the camaraderie of military men. Right, it's like right. their their camaraderie comes through shared hardship or shared experience or it's nowhere near as, as as strong as i imagine that would be but like the idea of being on a rooftop or or doing these trips together like where all of you are in the same good place you kind of just have this kind of like level of we're here together and you just have the most deep conversations like you go from like one superficial fucking chat and then out of nowhere you're talking about the, the atmosphere and the world and, and shit like that bro i love it i love it personally yeah exactly like i mean especially in this past week in croatia some of the campfires were awesome i mean we literally were up so late that we saw the sun starting to rise we're like oh the sky's getting lighter we better go to bed yeah, you know what yeah, i mean yeah. <laughs> yeah see i've always bro i'm so bad with sleep i'm a 9 30 10 o'clock sleeper mm. i'm not even gonna lie like bro as of as of like i don't know i do a lot of sport right now so mm. like on a day-to-day basis i am written off like i get mm. to like 9 30 10 o'clock and me and i know we're like yeah that mean, <laughs> means to sleep it's like it's straight to bed man like i can't i don't know I, i've never been a night owl i'm definitely a morning mm. type of guy like I feel like I get most productive in the evening sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm either productive in the morning, your afternoon for me, right off, can't do afternoons. Mm-hmm. And then in the evening, I spike a little bit. But other than that, like, I don't know, I'm asleep by 9 30, 10. Like, are you, are you a night owl or are you a. I think, well, basically, ever since I've been in the, you know, working from home for the past few years, since the pandemic or whatever, I have definitely shifted more into night mm-hmm. simply because I'm not spending hours in the morning trying to get ready for work or anything. I roll out of bed. And so if, you know, I typically start my work day at like 7, 7.30, if I go to bed at, you know, a little bit before midnight or so, I'm fine for the next day. I literally just get up. I get all the sleep I need and I'm mm-hmm. good to go. So, um yeah, we'll see what, you know, we'll see. But I tend, I do tend to wake up early too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm staying with some guys at the hostel and I'm always, usually tend to be up when the sun is up. So, yeah. um, yeah, it really depends. I, I do tend to be, go with the seasons, I yeah. guess. You it's, know? it's healthy like that, you know, I'm the same. Cause I've, one thing I've noticed, I, I, I run, I'm really interested in sleep in general. I like mm-hmm. the science behind sleep as well. I've always been interested in dreams and how dreams work. And I was listening to a thing the other day and they were saying how that like, it's, it's unhealthy for you to wake up and then fall back asleep for example it's mm-hmm. one unhealthy way to do it because when you when you wake up like i i wake up to light as well i normally on a day-to-day basis will average waking up between 6 30 and 8 o'clock at latest mm-hmm. very latest and that's the time when like all the light comes in if i sleep in a dark room i literally wake up like i don't even know what day it is mm-hmm. i'm definitely like a wake you're supposed to do that it's healthy yeah, yeah. but when you go back to sleep it was an interesting point it's like when you wake up right your body prepares for you to wake up over time so it's like when you start seeing light your body starts producing like the wake up chemical 
chemicals which mm. takes you out of deep sleep and starts to get you to, to arise. And then when you then go back to sleep, you're kind of subjecting your body back into deep sleep. And because mm. of like that boundary between like going from waking up back into deep sleep, when you next wake up after 10 minutes of snoozing your alarm, you wait, you're like, wow, now I don't feel so awake because you're now back in deep sleep and racked yourself out of deep sleep. It's right. an interesting fact anyway. I just listened to it the other day and, and they were also saying how like, uh, this is something that's plagued me recently, eating before going to sleep. Mm. So I had never had a problem with it. In my whole entire life, I used to eat like a wrap before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. And I never bothered me, blah, 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 blah. Until I listened to this video, it was like, yeah, you shouldn't eat before you go to sleep because it makes sense because all of the acid in your stomach when you lay down mm -hmm. would then kind of like sit in your esophagus or wherever it comes from and wherever it would sit naturally and it causes heartburn and, and obviously like burns your esophagus. So therefore, you're not going to have enough sleep. Now, the placebo effect has kicked in mm -hmm. and I can't now if I eat in the evening before I go to sleep, I'm like conscious of it and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to sleep well. Mm -hmm. And instantly like that makes me not sleep so much. Right. So I guess it's a good habit to get into to not eat before you sleep. But like you have, they say like clear, like maybe one hour, 32 hours before you sleep. I didn't know that. I didn't want to know that. I wish I never knew it because mm -hmm. now I've blagged myself into bad sleep on days. I just need when I get home late and I want to have a snack. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, I know, like, for me, um, sometimes I don't get done with gym sessions until 9 p.m., and so by the time I get home, it's, you know, close to 10, and I won't have eaten anything for quite a while, because you don't want to eat before you go to gym, because then you just cramp up and it's yeah. miserable, but then, yeah, by that time, it does get pretty late, and no. I have heard some stuff about not wanting, or you shouldn't uh, sleep on a full stomach, but, you know, what are you going to do sometimes, yeah, too, at the same bro, time, there's, you not, know? there's not much you can do, like, I don't know about you, bro, I lift heavier. Mm -hmm. when i eat before i go to the gym yeah i do try to eat like a little something usually you know like some eggs beef stick whatever before i go to the gym maybe a protein shake um yeah i get that going on but um i don't usually eat too much because yeah. otherwise it's just miserable you know yeah see i've never had a cramp oh really never in my entire life have i had a cramp nor know what a cramp feels like how Ooh. it works <laughs> i just i just well i know roughly how it works it's like due to like a some people say a lack of electrolytes in your blood is mm -hmm. one big reason of cramp but I think another one is like when obviously you eat a large amount of food, like the blood's redirected from your, your body and your muscles to your mm -hmm. to your digestive system. Therefore, your muscles are more likely to cramp. I think that's how it works. But what even is a cramp like, bro? I don't even know what the feeling is. Like all of the sudden, you'll feel like a muscle suddenly like tense up. Like mm -hmm. like it really hurts. Um, especially, I don't know if you ever had have had side stitches when you're running. It's yeah, sort of like stitches, that, but yeah. a little bit more intense, yeah. but that oh. same general feeling that same feeling yeah because yeah. i think a stitch is like from what i know about stitches is like the stitches where the the there's in your lungs you have different layers there's and there's mm -hmm. uh, different membranes around the outside of your lungs and um when you're running uh when the layer of the outer layer of your lung touches the inner layer of your your lung it causes mm -hmm. like a nerve to be touched and that's yeah, what causes yeah. it i don't know if that's right i, I would yeah if any if i'm wrong please, please check me up on it someone but i'm pretty sure that's it uh, the membranes rubbing into each other causes that but yeah stitch is a horrible man i've i've recently started picking up running a lot more mm -hmm. i've been running since i was a kid like i used to i used to do a lot of athletics when i was in cadets when i was younger mm -hmm. um the, like york scouts type thing oh, we sure. have like military cadets i don't mm -hmm. know if you guys have that um but yeah well, i was in that for years and i used to run with those guys and i was pretty successful but too young and too undisciplined to take mm -hmm. care of it long term and then recently, as of May this year, I started running again. And like, bro, I've ended up spending too much money on running <laughs> so far. 
And like for now, bro, I'm so enjoying it. Like, do, mm-hmm. do you run yourself or? Uh, I don't do too much running myself, but so the past few years, I've really gotten into um, parkour. Mm-hmm. So um, I go to a gym called Fighter Flight Academy. Yeah. Um, and so I've been that's become my main focus the past few years. But I also enjoy like bicycling things like that. Um, mm-hmm. When I was younger, I used to be on uh, on track team in like middle school and yeah. do long distance running because. Yeah. Where I grew up, we have a lot of trails and stuff like that. So it was also kind of a little way to explore because the gym teacher would be like, all right, long distance runners, you get to go. So we have this mm. huge area behind our school that we could go in. And whereas the other people doing the more traditional events, you know, had to stay close to the school. So I didn't yeah. mind uh, that opportunity to go run and do kind of do what I wanted, you know? Yeah. No, that makes sense, man. I, um, I want to talk America, bro. Mm, I want to yeah, talk yeah. a bit of America because... I've had one other American guy on my podcast before. He's also well traveled. Um, his, well, his his name's Jay, but his, his Instagram's become Kaiser, and he's a really interesting guy. He's done a lot of traveling, and like I don't think we got too deep into what America's like. Like mm-hmm. and like like I said, like I've seen movies, I've seen and I've read literature and seen bits like that from America, but I've never even like I don't really understand how it is. So you're you're from Minnesota, right? Minnesota. Yep. Minnesota. Yep. Yeah. And and where's that? In North South. It's in the north central, or I should say, yeah, north central part of the United States. So uh, we border Canada, and uh, if you look and you can kind of see the Great Lakes, we, we're also on Lake Superior. So Oh, mad. Yeah. And if you had to give me, like, an executive summary of what your country is like, like, in general, what's Minnesota like in terms of politics, in terms of how the country's run, is it is it fairly all right? Or? Uh, I mean, gosh, stuff in the States has just become so divided and divisive. Like it's become almost toxic the past few years. So like what I would say is in Minnesota, um, it's almost like the, there's a, a rural versus urban divide. I'd almost say, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, the rural parts, I guess I would say tend to be more, I don't know what you'd call conservative here exactly because my sense is the politics are a little bit different, but you know, I guess I'd say they're big, you know, tend to be more on the Trump side of things on most stuff. We we say conservative here as well. It makes sense. Conservative. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when you get into the cities, then it does tend to be more progressive, but there is definitely like a huge divide. Mm. Um, and you can see that divide playing out across a lot of the states too. Yeah. Depends where you're at. See, cause obviously I, that, I listen to a podcast. I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast as mm-hmm. well. I don't know if you heard that. It's, oh, yeah. my, it's mm-hmm. a big source of information for me. And I like how I like to hear about stuff when going on in the States. So a lot of the issues they talk about are States wise. So I'm fairly up to date with what's mm-hmm. going on there. And like from what I get in general, like a lot of people are saying, like you said, with divides and people are very decisive was obviously the stuff to do with Donald Trump, like is being a very, very polarizing character. He's a a person who's very able to make a decision instantly, whether or not you agree or disagree with his views. And because he's so one side or the other, he's like Marmite. I don't know if you know that phrase. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You either love him or you hate him. It's like if you love him you agree with all of his views, even though some of his views aren't particularly ideal for you anyway. You just love him because of that. But if you hate him, it's like people are like, uh, well, if he's this, I'm going to hate everything that he does, mm-hmm. even if some of his views might have some kind of actual information. And and for people like that, like they're dangerous. They're dangerous people mm. because 10, 15 years ago, um, you could easily have a conversation with someone about certain things and if right. it would be able, you'd be able to have a drink, fucking make up, hug at the end and, and you could have a good debate. But now it's like, people like encapsulate their their political identity like within themselves and it's like yeah. if you question that especially through people like trump who, who pushed that kind of stuff it's almost like you're attacking that person and it's so much more personal and it's the same in the uk bro like people mm-hmm. here now like some of the more progressive people like way more progressive like i'm pretty progressive myself mm-hmm. i don't i don't really like um 
take myself as a very political person in terms of like I'm left wing I'm right wing mm-hmm. like I just like to know about the world and, and I have opinions on certain subjects but that's it really like I don't like to take things at, at such a oh I have to agree with this like I actively seek out the opposite side of an argument as well right just to, oh yeah just to just to educate myself so so for me it's like yeah polarizing characters like him is incredibly dangerous so yeah yeah absolutely and then i mean with the past couple years so uh obviously you've probably heard of all the george floyd stuff that went down Mm. that happened where i'm from um i mean oh that's actually where you're at yeah minneapolis minnesota so like you know i there have been multiple uh cop shootings in the past few years so um i've been to those protests and they're really like really scary and unfortunately they do have uh we need we need justice we need police reform i mean it's a huge topic that's going on but then you get the rural people in the state who are like well i'll never go to murderapolis um and at the same time be like i'm not living my life in fear and it's like well come on guys like first of all the city isn't isn't really all that bad it's almost like they want to be on like some sort of moral high ground yeah um but uh yeah with all the with all the with all the protests and everything else, it's just been like a hot box in Minneapolis lately. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'd gone to some of the protests and uh, I got actually shot up with rubber bullets. Um, and it's not, like when you hear rubber bullets, you think of like those little bouncy balls that you used to play with when you're a kid. But these, I mean, these yeah. are dangerous. I got yeah. like actual abrasions from them um, yeah. for being shot at. And I had, worn my uh my old like lacrosse vest mm. um to to some of the <laughs> protests yeah 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 no i had my lacrosse vest i had like ski goggles i yeah. had my 3m respirator because no they were they had tear gas and everything i mean yeah they were you could if you didn't have like a respirator or something it mm. was almost too difficult to breathe like even with the respirator on That's crazy. you could still kind of feel it coming in just a little bit just that horrible taste Your fitness must have been nuts yeah absolutely i mean i'm glad i trained parkour too because i mean <laughs> with the way the cops were coming and stuff like that to be able to scale a fence or whatever like really quickly and get away was so essential but i mean it was a literal madhouse i mean I, I don't want to compare it too much to war because my uh, Opa fought in World War Two, mm. and so I don't want to say this is that, but it did feel like a war zone. Yeah, of course, bro. Like it's, it's obviously all right to to be able to compare it. Like there's certain there's certain factors, not not in such as like uh well the actual death side of things, but like the atmosphere in general. Yeah. Like like such chaos. Like is the kind of thing. Like although this in America, like there is that risk of death. You know what I mean? It's no longer. Mm. It's not like here where you protest and a policeman might grab you and throw you on the ground. Like. The thing that I do really, I don't know, like, I don't know how I feel about it in the States is like, there's really just is that more risk to life in every situation. And like, obviously, there was a lot of with the, the defund the police situation as yep. well. I don't know if that was particularly big there, but like, yeah, oh yeah, um, I've been following that quite, quite tightly as well. And it's like, people, people want to defund the police, but the moment they'll need them, it's like, they'll literally be like, where are they? They took so long. But they're like wanting to, if anything, like it's more important to give more resources and more funding to that kind of stuff, in my opinion anyway, because it's like, it's it's a tough one to deal with, especially with the more risks to life of certain people. So yeah, how was that? How did that play out? Like, was that particularly, is your, is Minnesota in particular like a political area for that kind of stuff? Like, what is it, what's its general idea? Or is everyone kind of split up? Yeah, so my understanding with the, and I, I may be wrong, but my understanding is like with Defund the Police, that it actually, um, that movement did have its roots starting out in Minnesota, Minneapolis, because of um, the amount of abuses coming out of the Minneapolis Police Department. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like George Floyd was an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. The uh, very officer who, 
uh, killed him had a number of complaints against him. There's a pro there's a huge problem with uh, police not even living in in the cities that they serve in. So like this guy lived like you know way out in the suburbs on the other side of town, um, and so it's almost like they're not integrated very well into their communities. But um, also with defund the police, I think that what um, it, it, it's such a terrible catchphrase and the fact that it makes people think, oh, you just want to get rid of safety and get rid of everything. Obviously, for instance, we need to have people to investigate crimes and things like that. That's where you need the police. But then when it comes to the stuff like, you know, responding to mental health calls mm -hmm. or things like that, police maybe aren't the best ones to do that. Um, it's actually kind of interesting. So um, I wound up having a uh, interesting conversation with the uh, with some BTP, uh, British Transport Police, on one of my last trips. Yeah. Um, may have gotten caught trespassing on railway property. But as I was talking to them, the chief, or what was it? The sergeant um, was saying, when they realized I was from America, the sergeant started talking to me a little bit and a couple of the other police officers saying that we think the way that policing is handled in America uh, is is just horrible. It, it uh the police are not trained well enough in uh, situation de-escalation and tend to just be more trigger happy. Um, yeah, see, the thing is with that, right, I, I watch a lot of um, shooting breakdown videos mm -hmm. as well. I watch a guy called Donut Operator. I don't know if you've ever heard of that guy. And it's something that genuinely interests me because I would, I'm not going to lie, I would, I would disagree with that opinion saying mm -hmm. the police aren't well trained enough in America because I've seen enough videos to see the procedures they do go through to de-escalate mm -hmm. certain situations. The differences between between the UK and America is there's so much more in terms of when a police officer does a traffic stop, that guy has a fairly high risk of of someone easily taking their life. When mm -hmm. a when a UK police officer pulls someone over, the chance of that person having a deadly weapon that they can reach then mm. get in an officer's face or get at to them and mm. kill them is so much less. So it's like, I do understand from a policing point of view, it's like, although it's just a stop and you're just pulling someone on the side of the road, you have to err on the side of caution because at mm. the end of the day, that police officer has got to go home to a wife and kids. Mm -hmm. And it, and and like, I'm I'm very on and off with the police, especially in the UK, because I, I've seen so many abuse their powers. So, mm. so many. But the abusing of powers in the UK is is although it takes away certain freedoms and it causes problems mm -hmm. with trust in the police and stuff like that. The difference between that is if we then get lippy to a police officer here, it's like, you've got that level of like, he's not going to shoot me in the fucking face. Mm -hmm. But in America, it's like with certain things, if you, if you even move your hand in the wrong, you do something too fast, you run, you, mm -hmm. you present yourself as aggressive. Half of the fucking football hooligans in this country, bro, mm -hmm. if they were in America and they treat the police officer like they do here, smashing glasses round and bottles and that, they would get, they'd get tased at the very right. least. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and my approach to ha when I have encounters with the police is I just tend to keep my head down and, you know, mm. be respectful, uh, be respectful of them. I'm thinking of one time, for instance, so there was this beautiful old church that was being torn down um, in the city. And so I wanted to capture some of the pictures as it was being torn down. So I hopped the fence, went in there. Someone must have seen me because as I was leaving, uh, a couple of police officers showed up. Yeah. And so um, I'd hop the fence and they're like, hey, were you just in there? And I wasn't about to lie to them. I obviously was. I yeah. said, yeah, I was. Uh, and so then uh, they just asked me what I was doing. And I said, well, this church is being torn down. You know, this is the architect. Here's a little bit of the history of it. Um, mm. And then they took a long look at the building mm. and they're like, that is a damn crying shame. Um, yeah. And so it's like they immediately saw that I wasn't there to do anything reckless or destructive. Yeah. I was documenting history and, mm. you know, in my view, and they vibed with that. Yeah. So they just said, don't, you know, don't do that again here. Um, just go on your way. So. Yeah.
Well, number one, bro, I bear respect you for that because that's for, that opinion and that w way to deal with things is something I've always based everything I've ever done on. I'm a big believer in like leave places as you find them type beat. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. obviously there are some exceptions where things may go wrong, but mm -hmm. I have a problem in particular with people who go to places like this, go to places like Ruse and just kick the living shit out of everything. Yeah, Damage yeah. everything. Like without going in, into too many details, like there's obviously things that, like people have done which have been reasonable i guess but like when people point blank just damage and just fuck shit up and just just cause problems for no reason like not even on on the basis of anything it's like it really winds me up really really does wind me up so to hear someone who's like actually and the hit bro bringing out the history card like if you mm -hmm. if you said to a police officer like yeah if you explained it to him and, and this is how i would normally approach it my approach to police is i'll come with a neutral tone mm -hmm. and i'll normally just match their energy so if mm -hmm. the police officer comes over to me like yo like how are you doing um we've had a report that you might have been in this building. Like, obviously, um, you probably shouldn't be in there. And I'm just like, yeah, sorry. Like, we just wanted to take photos, blah, 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 blah. And mate, if they're respectful to me, I'll come with the most respect. Like, even more so mm -hmm. because I just appreciate the fact this person's not come over to me on, on, on smoke. But then I've also had the small percentage of people, a lot of police officers in the UK in particular, I know, have ego problems, bro. Oh, like they'll yeah. come over on absolute piss, like you've killed the queen. Come over, <laughs> shouting in your face, doing this, doing that. So I'll instantly match them, bro. And like, I, I made a point of educating myself on, on laws around trespass, laws mm -hmm. around traffic stops, laws around everything that I need to do in my day to day. And like, sometimes they talk to me and, and their their ability to try and abuse their powers and i'll just call them out and be like what are you doing bro no you can't have my details for, mm -hmm. for a, a civil trespass offense no you can't do this no you can't like do you know what i mean and they always seem taken back like and they get almost offended when you question them but it's so important because for me privacy and rights is so important like i don't care people are like mm -hmm. oh like it's just it's just your name and your number like just give it to them or mm -hmm. or on your phone for example like oh it's just this if you've got nothing to hide you shouldn't worry i hate that bro yeah because i appreciate my privacy bro yep. like privacy for me means being able to go about certain things without having the fear of someone monitoring me watching and like i do get it i have a phone bro i, I give up my freedom in, in right. a lot oh, of yeah. ways i i understand that but like I, I was listening to a podcast recently and a guy said like with, with when it comes to freedom, you just should have to weigh up your what essentially is a currency, your freedom. It's mm -hmm. like, is the pros of having this thing gonna outweigh the cons of me spending a bit of my privacy? And it was it was a really cool issue to think about. Um, sorry, I'm waffling, but but to to do with the police, yeah, I always just literally come at them with the same energy. If they're rude to me, I'm rude to them back. If they mm -hmm. do this to me, I'm bro, I'll outrun any police officer. I'm mm -hmm. challenge you all right now. Any police officer on this planet, yeah, no, not on the planet, but ever, bro, I've never been caught in a running race mm -hmm. by police. Like I've been caught when they've been smart. A few mm -hmm. of them have been smart in it, like and caught right. me out off guard. One woman police officer was smart as fuck. She was like, she hit me with the most soft voice. Like, yo, like it's okay. I'm not going to do anything. I got a City of London ban for a year. Oi. She snaked me. But I've never been caught in a running race. They won't catch me, bro. Mm. I'm too quick. But. Yeah, that's crazy too. Like when you get that, that adrenaline pumping and you're just going, 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 going. There was uh, one time we were trying to check out this roof uh, in London and got basically chased. Well... So what happened was uh, the other guys had gotten into the elevator and gone up. I had seen when we walked into the hotel, there was one guy like talking into his tie and he just said, yo, they got under the lift. <laughs> and so when I heard him say that I did not get on the lift, I kept walking straight through yeah. that lobby to the exit door. And, um, but they had, the other guys had uh, gotten up to the top and then uh, something happened where, you know, they were caught. Mm. Um, and then they were also looking for me because they had got me on camera mm. um, and wanted to talk to me. So I was out across the street, like, um, 
you know, just chilling a few shops away, basically. I'm waiting for the guys to come out. And uh, I heard this tap on my shoulder, or I feel this tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and this guy's like, hey, can you come with me? And I could see he was uh, one of the security guys from the hotel. I'm yeah. like, heck no. And yeah. I just book right. it. I start running. This guy tries chasing me, and uh, I'm just, again, good thing I trained parkour, and uh, go, you know, dashing through the crowds, running around corners. And uh, a couple of the other guys had gotten out, and they saw me running, and they saw the security guard chasing after me, and they're like, like you kept going and at one point he just stopped, stopped. and had to like breathe and gave up on you <laughs> bro it's because like uh, bro i look at them when when they're chasing me i look at them even before i run i'm like i'm, I'm analyzing that motherfucker like you think you can outrun me no, yeah no. <laughs> do you know what i mean most of them bro, a lot of security guards are fat or huge oh guys. yeah yeah, yeah. Huge guys even if they're muscly mm-hmm. some like obviously we i don't know pounds but like if this guy weighs like 90 kilograms he's not outrunning me do you know right. what i mean like yeah, this yeah. guy's built like a brick shell he's not he's built to press 120 fucking kg for 20 reps you know what right. i mean yeah he's not built to fucking outrun me so most of the time you'll get away like it's only when you get outsmarted but right but yeah yeah and I, I mean you know to be fair i enjoy weightlifting a lot too mm-hmm. um but pff, it's a lot of people just use that as an excuse to eat a lot. Yeah, um, that's but, true, you know. You know? <laughs> it's true, you know. Because you get really big when you do it. But you want to also be fast, I think, or, you know, as fast as you can. So Agile is, I think, the best word, bro. Like, exactly. I've been going to gym since I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Those who know me, I'm not a huge guy. I'm not big. I'm quite strong for my size, mm-hmm. for sure. But I've never really been, like, hugely... I've had, like, a few spikes of, like, yeah, I want to be massive <laughs> when I'm in the gym and I'm pressing weights. I'm like, I want to be huge. And then I get home and I'm like, wait, you don't want to be huge, bro. Like, number one, genetically, I've never been the type of guy to grow large muscle mass. Mm-hmm. Bro, I hit genetic unluckiness there. I've never been, the, the, I've got short limbs. I've got short, where my muscles in, uh, where my muscles insert, they're pretty short as well. Mm-hmm. So I've never been big, but I'm agile as fuck. Like, I'll change direction on you like a mother, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll change direction on you quick time. But I've just never, I've been pretty strong, like I said, but yeah, just never been huge, man. Like genetics are a crazy thing when it comes to fitness. I've got friends who will come gym with me for one year and they'll be wham. And I'm just sitting there like low key envy, like, how mm-hmm. you so damn big? <laughs> and then, um, and then, yeah, but for me, like, uh, I'm, I'm happy now. I'm more happy now knowing that I'm flexible, I'm agile, mm-hmm. I'm healthy, and my muscles work very efficiently. That right. for me is like contentment now. Like, that's all I care about. Right. Yeah. So like the gym I go to, I think I mentioned fight or flight Academy earlier, but, um, basically it is a parkour gym, but the owner of the place is insanely athletic. And so the focus isn't only on like parkour. So, uh, one of my favorite classes is mobility. So it's like, uh, it's basically like a yoga slash Pilates type okay. of class, cool. um, which is so, and, and calisthenics as well, which is very challenging. And I really find myself enjoying it. Um, you know, working on flexibility, stuff like that. And then also weight training class stuff like that so there's a wide variety of things to do there so that you're not only focusing on parkour you're focusing on just general health as well mm. um which i think is really good yeah bro another bro i know i keep giving you compliments but another thing i fucking bear respect that i love you for that bro fitness and health is like something i've i live and breathe fitness mm-hmm. and health like what i eat what i do when i train and like when when you don't when you're young in particular and, and I I mean you probably seem like you've had this mindset for a long time. Like I, I do yoga most mornings as mm. well. I fucking love yoga. Yeah, yeah. Yoga's a time for me, like my brain doesn't stop working. So yoga for me, even when I do yoga, I'm mm. trying to become mind clear. Yes. But for me, like just waking up and like I'm very it was way more inflexible. Like sitting mm-hmm. in a cross leg on the floor hurts mm-hmm. me, seriously, mm-hmm. bro. And like 
when I started doing yoga, I didn't realize how inflexible I was, but every day I become more flexible and like I just build up that core strength and like yep. the little muscles in it. It's not like you're bench pressing. It's like you're working your sh- your your rotator cuff, you're working your shoulders more, you're working exactly. muscles that are actually important for day-to-day existing. And for me, lo- longevity is the key now, bro. Right. Like, I'm trying to live for a long time, you know? So so yeah, I'm just trying to I'm trying to just do it in terms of just keeping myself healthy for a longer period of time. I don't want to like just like do stupid shit now, injure mm-hmm. myself all the time. And by the time I'm 90, it'd be like a plank of wood, you know? Exactly. It's like, you know, I got this body. I'm going to be living with it for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I might as well figure out what I can do with it. And, you know, I'd love to have a long life like my grandparents did too. Mm-hmm. So how long did they live for? Uh, they lived well into their eighties um, and they continued traveling into their eighties. I went on uh, my last international trip with my Oma to her small, to her hometown in Germany. What, um, what'd you call her? Your, your own, own Oma. Yeah. Oma. Yeah, what so is, is that like a what's that all about? So she is originally from Germany, um, mm-hmm. and well, my opa originally was from Poland, and so um, yeah, that's just what we called on that side of the family. Opa and Oma. Opa and Oma. Um, yeah, so they moved to the United States after World War II because it was not, you know, Germany was not a great place to raise kids, mm-hmm. um, and so they wound up starting their own business. Uh, they had a resort on a lake in Minnesota. Um, and my Opa was also master woodworker. So the summer months they did the resort and then the winter months, my, uh, Opa did, uh, like custom cabinetry and woodworking and stuff like that yeah. and sourced a lot of the trees and, and wood from the property. So I always love spending time with him and going into his shop and just seeing that creative energy. It's, uh, um, in fact, this tattoo I have, you can't, obviously those of you listening can't see it, but I got this tattoo on my arm that is of a, um, uh, oak leaves on the bottom with some acorns and then roses and my opa had done this beautiful beautiful carving um and so i wanted to have a little piece of that with me so i got the tattoo of that design and uh mm-hmm. it was funny the tattoo artist his name was op and he was talking about like he's like and he he similarly kind of like my opa had a had a uh, a piece of property in a wild area yeah. and uh he and his wife um worked that piece of land so he's like he literally was channeling my opa's you know spirit energy as he was doing this tattoo yeah. which was made it really actually deep and meaningful experience for oh, me mate, that's incredible you know like yeah obviously um with with tattoos and stuff i'm untattooed i don't mm-hmm. have a single one yeah, i've yeah. been debating it since i was 16 and i have not been able to find anything that i've liked that means something to me because like mm-hmm. for example my brother has uh forearm tattoos he's got tattoos uh in various places and i always ask him like what do they mean he's like, i don't know they just look cool and obviously that's fine, bro. Mm-hmm. If you if you're that kind of person, cool. But me, like my tattoo, like every aspect of it, even down to like I don't know, like if I could control the quality of the ink to somehow mm-hmm. have some meaning, that's what I would have to have. Like I've always like I like the soft look. Do you know what I mean? Like, I like to look soft. I like to look like quite clean. Mm-hmm. So uh, not that tattoos dirty, <laughs> but I like to have that clean look. But yeah, I've yeah. also gone through the thought of being like, oh, I want to tattoo my fucking neck. Do you right, know what I mean? Right, like, right. so I really don't know what I'm gonna do long term with tattoos. Like, I like the idea of having cool ones that mean a lot. And like, the only thing I thought is maybe I just put it in my boxers line mm, and just have them sure. all over my ass and all around <laughs> my legs, but nowhere where they can be seen on a regular basis. Like, people mm. go, "Yo, you got tattoos?" And I go, "Yeah, look." <laughs> and I've got a fucking cool like whole ass sleeve <laughs> would be sick. But like for me, like I don't know if I regretted something or like it doesn't mean so good to me. Like right. it's not going on my body, so. I don't know, but that is a cool ass tattoo. That means fucking, that means a lot to you. And that's so cool to hear, bro. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, family is important and, uh, I absolutely love my Opa and Oma. So, um, all the family that had come before me really. So, yeah, bro, there must be some, uh, there's some cool names for grandma and granddads, you know, like here we have grandma and granddad, Nana mm-hmm. and, and 
Um, I don't know what the opposite to Nana is. There's in Italy they call him Nona, mm-hmm. which is quite a cute name. In in uh, in Spain they call him Yaya mm-hmm. uh, and Yayo, which is like grandma and granddad. Um, there must be some cool ones, man, because obviously that's Opa and Oma is sick and Yaya. They're all cute as well. Like, I don't bro. Right. When I, I don't even know what I want to be called when I'm a granddad. I, I quite like. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Yayo is my favorite. I think. Um, I like Nona, but I'm not a grandma, so I don't even know what the right. male version is. But I don't know; they're cool, man. I like those little like nicknames you get for people. But yeah, yeah, yeah like uh, well, my my sister now has a, a kid, so I have a nephew, and now he's uh, calling my parents uh, Oma and Opa. So, oh, so it's gonna go down the line. <laughs> it's going as down well. the line. Yep, that's cool, man. Um, so just like just to change the subject, like where did you get into travel, photography, into parkour? It's a big question. I know I'm about to go into touring life story here, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> like at what age did you start? Like even a bit of backstory about why you got into all of this stuff, parkour, travel, everything. Sure. I mean, I I guess I would say it has somehow always been a part of me on on some level. Mm. Um, just simply, like I'd mentioned earlier, my grandparents were from Germany, and so it was important to them that we keep in touch with those family and that we keep that bond alive. Yeah. So from a young age, I want to say from when I was like one or two years old, we had taken a like family trip out to Germany. Now, obviously, I can't remember that specific trip, but it's more the fact that travel has been a part of my life since I was really little. Um, I remember, I think one of my youngest traveling memories was... Um, I was a, I was a really little kid and I was at my parent with my parents at Epcot Center in Florida. Um, have you ever heard of Epcot Center? It is basically this big theme park. Um, one half of it is focused on like science and technology. The other part is focused on like uh, world culture. And so there's tons of different countries and you can walk down like a representation of a street in London or a street you know in Paris or whatever. Well, that sounds cool, um, man. Yeah, it is. So uh, some people tend to only go to theme parks, but it was kind of like this was clearly intentionally designed by people who want you to start thinking about the world outside mm. yourself. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. And I always kind of liked that vibe that they had going there. And I always knew when I, from when I was little, I wanted to see some of these places one day. Mm-hmm. So that was one um, inspiration for me. And then I think also too, like the Urbex side of it comes into when I was a kid, we had new houses being built in our neighborhood. Um, and so my mom and I, we would go check out the, we'd go check out the sites and walk right into Your this. Your mom? Yep. Yep. Yeah. We would go check out the, uh, we'd walk right into the sites and check yeah. out the stick frames of these houses. Um, so the community I built, I grew up in had like, uh, people would build custom homes. Mm. So everybody's house was unique or different. It was either what they had bought, uh, cause it was an older house or that they had intentionally built there every everybody built their own different house there so it's kind of a unique vibe to to see this stuff especially when you're walking through what is clearly going to be someone's dream home um and you just you know you see what they're up to so that was a little how i got into it um although my mom doesn't like heights so (laughs) (laughs) at least she was only on like one or two story buildings at that point exactly yeah yeah. grew her since then (laughs) yeah so um at the same time, too, well, I shouldn't say the same time, but then as I got a little bit older, there was uh, there was a military, uh, what was it called? The Twin Cities Army Ammunition Plant, um, just this huge military base that was used to produce a ton of ammunition for World War II right near my house. So uh, there were tons of abandoned buildings, stuff like that there. And as I was getting older, they started decommissioning different parts of the plant. So at one point it was so easy to just hop the fence and yeah. go in and check out this these old buildings from like the 40s 50s i mean they did produce ammunition for 
for decades, but you know, they slowly mothballed the place. And so <laughs> it's kind of cool to see some of these places almost frozen in time, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was a big thing. And then I want to say did my first rooftop when um, I had gotten a job in downtown St. Paul, mm-hmm. and uh, which is one of our two cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul. And I had gotten a job down there, and I used to talk to the janitor in the building every day who would come and clear out our, our trash cans and stuff. And he asked me, he's like, one day, hey, do you want to come up on the roof? I'm like, I would love to come up on the roof. What a fucking G. Yeah, what so he, he took me up onto the roof, which is one of the tallest in the city. And I to see that view, and like it was so chill up there. Yeah. And um, it reminded me a little bit of like God mode in SimCity, other than you're not <laughs> obviously not laying down the roads and stuff like that. But it's just such a nice vibe and feeling. We stayed up there for quite a while. And uh I kind of saw how easy it was to get up there. Mm. And so then I'm like, well, what if I try this with other places? Yeah, what if I tried it without him as well? (laughs) Exactly, yep. So that's kind of how that whole thing started. That's cool, man. I like that. That's sick. Someone, um... I think we, I think everyone who starts climbing or exploring just has like you always have this natural curiosity in you yep. as a child. Like I climbed, jumped, explored, moved, done everything. My mum would be like, I literally used to take my bike out when I was eight years old, mm-hmm. and my mum would be like, make sure you're back before it's dark. And I would get as far as I possibly could out of my area. We'd go on bike rides for miles. We'd explore. We'd make mm-hmm. dens. Like I still got what I would consider like a wholesome childhood, yeah, a childhood yeah. that a lot of people now don't have access to or not even don't have access to, they don't have the ability or want to access that anymore. Mm-hmm. And they just engulf their children in, in mind numbing everything. So like, for me, I got that like really wholesome exploration. Like I'd explored like within a 10 mile radius of my house by the mm-hmm. time I was 11 years old. Like I was asking my mom to sleep on rooftops by the time I was 13, like these little things. And, um, and for me, like it was always, I just had a natural curiosity. Like if you look on my Instagram, some of my first photos, exploring construction sites mm-hmm. first like little houses construction sites and it's like it's almost like a playground yeah, yeah. but with like a little bit of like you're not really allowed to be there right. but it's like a private playground you know right. i love that experience man i really do so i get where you're coming from from that to be fair so yeah yeah, yeah as a kid i loved uh, riding my bicycle around similarly the whole area i mean i remember coming across this so uh in the town i grew up in like i mentioned the custom houses there was one whole area where they had you could clearly see they had started to build the roads Mm. but it was just the road beds and they never actually finished developing it i remember coming across this area and i'm like whoa what is this it's wild here and then um going further and further into like the undeveloped parts of the city and i can't i remember coming across like a conservatory and like these really cool creeks and stuff like that and i just uh i've always liked poking around you know what i mean yeah that's cool man like and where you live or where you grew up are you are you directly in the city or have you are you more like rural based are you kind of suburby yeah, so where I grew up is, uh, I'd say it's suburby, but um, we were sort of on the very edge of it. So we were about 13 miles from either you know either of our two downtowns, or um, which wasn't terribly far away. Um, otherwise, like the community itself was suburby, but as soon as you went north of a certain road, County Road J, it's all farmland. Mm-hmm. So um, it's we were basically right in between almost. Yeah, and when you was a kid, like. As in terms of transport like here obviously i had a bike i know america is just like vastly larger it's not like mm. here like in my town i could go from the field to this to this to that all within cycling distance or walking distance mm-hmm. whereas in america the way i see it without being have been there is like everything is so much further away like i think the the landmass of new york or whatever is considered like this or sorry or or, or dc sorry uh washington in general is like um 
is the same landmass as our country or something like that. And that, that when I put that into perspective, I was like, wow, that's a very, very large space, you know? So yep. for getting around, like, was it, you were 16, like I need a car or, or what, what was that? Yeah, like? you need, it's, it's the way the country has been. So I, I, I almost go off on a tangent with this because we used to have uh, an amazing train system way back. I mean, well, well, well before I was <laughs> there, born. Yeah. It, it, in a way it is because I don't like in the direction we've gone. We've actually destroyed much of our cities for the car. Um, people say, oh, America was built around cars. No, it was not. It was built around trains and transit. Um, That's true. Yeah, Very and true. the cities were destroyed for cars. And if you look at the amount of destruction we've done, places that people actually could live, neighborhoods that were demolished to build interstate highways, it's really quite tragic. Mm. Um, and I'm, we obliterated an affordable way for people to get around. So yeah. I think it was pretty criminal, if you ask me. But growing up, it was like, yeah, at you know, you you, you either need to get a car yourself or find a friend who has a car, mm. um, because otherwise it's hard to get too far out of your the community i mean we have some bus service but that stuff even gets fought against you know mm -hmm. even a basic bus line will get fought against really? so yeah yeah and it's like as well obviously there um you outgrow your area you know like you outgrow yep. yourself when you're an ex explorer person it's like it's all exciting when you first go around your own area but eventually it's like i need to branch out and for me obviously the lucky the lucky side of that is we're very well connected with everything the train mm -hmm. system's very good yeah i was getting trains when i was young i was if i couldn't get there by bike i was getting there by train or bus um so obviously i mean our country bro like you can drive from the bottom to the top within about 15 hours like that's probably unheard of for, for something near you for example so it's like there's always that level of like you do feel kind of like everything's within reason and within mm -hmm. reach. And now, even now, I've, I mean, I thought I could explore it quicker, but I still, bro, I haven't been to Bristol. You've been to Bristol. And yeah. I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't been to Brighton yet. I've never been to way loads of places in the UK. Yet I'm an active traveler. Like I mm -hmm. actively move a lot. So it's like the fact I haven't even explored all of my own country yet makes me so hopeful for the rest of my life because it's like there's just you can't see everything by the time you die. But it's like right. I really want to, you know what I mean? Right. It's like I just want to make this big fucking globe feel a bit more small you know what i mean right yeah one thing i hear people say and i i don't agree with um and i remember having a conversation with one of, one of my old managers when i was asking mm. for some time off to go to europe um she said oh i've always wanted to go to europe you know my husband and i we were supposed to go to italy but then he says that uh we haven't even been to all 50 states yet so why mm. would we go outside of the country i'm like no you gotta go you, like if you're Different interested vibe. in it go and see it you know yeah. don't make an excuse like well because i haven't been to alabama yet i can't go to france you know <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make sense when you told me like um that there was that theme park where you can go to like visit like what it seems to be like different places in the yeah. world mm -hmm. the first thing that comes to my head is from from what i've heard from people's opinions is that in america like they actively kind of not discourage but they kind of teach you that they like everything's scary outside of america is, is that true to your perspective like it's like they kind of teach you to be more in intro intro what's what's the way like saying you be in your own country i don't know but like they teach you to like kind of be like yeah america and avoid going outside of that like I mean, where I grew up, I wouldn't say that's true. I do think that is definitely a vibe, especially in like more rural areas. But I remember, uh, you know, in high school, we had classes in world history and European history and, and stuff like that. So, uh, and geography classes, of course. So it wasn't like we were uh, unfamiliar with other parts of the world. But mm -hmm. I do think a lot of people just kind of let that go in one ear and out the other. And it's yeah. just a class they take. Um 
But I mean, it, it, it does depend on place to place. But a lot of people don't even leave their own state, which when I heard like, I think, mm-hmm. what was it? I think I heard like 27%. Someone maybe can fact check wow. that, but 27% of people never left their own state. That's like, insane. Yeah. I, I, my mind was absolutely blown because it's like I'm always just wanting to see something different. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I get itchy, bro, when I don't travel. Like, if I don't go away for like on a monthly basis, I yep. start to itch. Like, I don't know what it is for me. I think traveling is a way of me coping with the idea of such a wide world. Mm-hmm. Like, when I travel, it's like every time I hit a new place, it feels like a slightly smaller world. Yeah. And like yep. the vastness of the world to me is like quite an intimidating thing naturally it's a huge right. place and there's so much to do so whenever i go to a new place it's like oh I've, that feels like another home to me it feels like another mm-hmm. thing that's not so far or not so so scary i don't know how it resonates in you but that's just something that i notice about traveling myself right yeah that uh in fact that theme park i had mentioned uh many people might know it because of it looks like a big white golf ball well that golf ball is called spaceship earth and there's a cool <laughs> ride on the inside that takes you through like a journey of uh, uh through a journey of like history of human civilization and kind of one of its um as the ride is starting to close out one of its thesis points i would say is it it does talk about uh how the world does begin to shrink as we get more connected Mm -hmm. um and then it even kind of challenges us into saying you know will this all be you know in this information age will it just become a bunch of electronic babble or can we make meaningful connections yeah and let's focus on the meaningful connections part What do you think, like, what's your opinion on, on world globalization in terms of, like, obviously with, like you said, we're in an information an information age in terms of humans are subject to huge amounts of data on a day-to-day. Some, I've read something recently, I think this, I don't know how well the statistic uh, holds up, but it was something like people in America average seeing 10,000 advertisements on a mm-hmm. daily basis, like through anything, be that on Instagram, Facebook, and like you're subject to it around you on cars, on, and that's including, I'm guessing, car badges and clothes badges, 10,000 yeah. 10, things a day. And it's like, your brain is must get overwhelmed with all this information. So I get to my point, like, what do you, what do you feel like in terms of like the, the sharing of information will be in, in the longer run, like in terms of like diluted cultures and stuff? How would you feel about that? I mean, I think that people at some level need, or how would I put this? I think that on, on some level people should try to remain if they can, um, connected to their culture somehow. Mm-hmm. That was very important, like I was mentioning earlier with my grandparents, that we stay connected to that. But don't make that be the only thing, you know, mm-hmm. because sometimes people, I, I think that can lead into narrow minds and narrow opinions and stuff like that if you're only within that little subculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think getting out is important like that. In terms of globalization, obviously, you want to have, you know, areas have their own individual and unique flavor. That's kind of why you travel. <laughs> um, but it's also helpful to bring, you know, shared experiences or best practices or whatever you've learned to where it is that you live because you might want to make it a better place. And yeah. it's, it's, I think, the height of arrogance to think that, you know, how you do one thing's one way in one place is necessarily the best for everybody else. But that is definitely... Um, very much kind of a general American attitude is, yeah. and I, uh, you know, people, a lot of people think that, well, we're number one and I don't think that's really true. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's one thing. Yeah. But, um, you just reminded me of something. So something that is interesting to me, you, you know, who Genghis Khan is? Oh yeah. yeah. Genghis Khan. I, do you teach that in your schools there? I think it's, it's is it more we, popular there? We learn. I remember we learned a little bit in, you know, in Eastern history class, I want to say, yeah. but 
So, so from what I understand with Genghis Khan is the reason he was such a successful conqueror, forget the fact that he killed millions and millions and millions of people. <laughs> um, the, the fact that the way he was so good at doing what he did is because every single place he conquered, he went there and sucked all of the best practices mm. out of all of the individual people there, like the best way to throw a as a, what a spear or the best way to do this i'm not too well educated in terms of the history of it or what time that was in but it was the idea that he took a little spice from every single place he went to mm-hmm. and created this like mega skilled me- mega skilled army of people who knew how to do everything right and right. like although it's like he used it for bad if people just take that into their real lives it's like meet various people from all over the world um move like types of cooking and stuff i think it's so important to share information it is but to be aware of what information comes from where and why that's significant in that place. It's yep. just, as long as you're respectful, it's important. Like I yep. was talking to my friend, his name is Lorenzo. He's from Italy recently. And he was talking to me about um, the culture of like uh, Southern America mm-hmm. and how certain things happen there. And uh, and in terms of from where he was from in, in I think it was talking about Peru, or they, they speak different types of Spanish. Yeah. Um, they call it brown Spanish and white Spanish. I think they were talking about. And it's like, if you go there and you speak white Spanish to a brown Spanish person, you'll get judged on a certain mm. level. And like, you get seen as, uh, I hope I'm representing this right. I can't exactly remember everything in the conversation, but um, he was saying how like uh, that very minor, subtle difference in culture. If you just made, I don't know, the active effort to try and like understand certain things from their culture, you would get treated less as an outsider mm. and more as a it's something that i noticed when i learned spanish so i'm fluent in spanish now because mm-hmm. my girlfriend's spanish and she didn't speak english when we first met and i didn't speak spanish when we first met so we had to do that kind of learning and when i learned spanish it was almost like then when i went to spain when i would speak to people it's like they would just give me this respect i'd get a high mm-hmm. five or i'd get like yo thank you do you know yep. what i mean it's like you just respect it bro someone right. come to england and they come over like and just didn't really respect anything that we have. I'm not hugely patriotic. I don't really like the country so much. But still, like when you just make an effort, it's like this person's like trying to engage in my culture. I, I appreciate that a lot. And that's what I try and do, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, for instance, the people I'll hear people say, oh, the French, they're so rude or whatever. And it's like, no, they're not rude at all. It's that they just want you to make an effort. They're really proud of their culture. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to be proud of there. And uh, they just want to see that you're, you know, respectful of it or appreciate it somehow. And I mean, I've never had a French person be rude to me. I made, I made a lot of friends there, in fact, just by virtue of reaching out and, you know, trying to speak French. I, I studied French for like six years, so yeah. um, I can speak it fairly well, although I'm a little bit rusty and have to work my way into it again. Mm-hmm. But as long as you make an effort, people are so cool. Like, yeah, that's bro, it... I love languages. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to learn language until the day I die. After learning Spanish, like through necessity, like it wasn't, I, I learned Spanish in school, but I come out with one, I got an A star, which is mm-hmm. like our highest grade. And yet I come out, with the most minimal experience in terms of real world speaking <laughs> mm-hmm. and understanding how things work. They didn't explain why this it's just memory. Like, I don't know what your education system's like, but ours is just like memorize everything and maybe mm-hmm. it will come up in the test. Like uh, it's it's like it's not ideal that way. And and when I come out of school I'd learn I got the highest grade and yet mm-hmm. I knew two words like fluently after a year. So when I met my girlfriend and she explained to me this is why we do this, this is why we have this. Mm-hmm. Um through her using Duolingo, which is good for grammar and language and mm-hmm. vocab, which is obviously important because she can teach me words, but I don't know how to spell them or I don't know why they use grammar. Um, I use that. And then also having that real world application. And now in one year, I was fluent. So I think that's a good old in one year, bro. Like, I, I think that's pretty good going. 
Um, so now it's like uh, after I've learned that and like it's just I've seen the gateways it opens mm -hmm. um, they say like if you can speak English and Spanish you can talk to like 70% of the world I think it was like either mm. they'll speak somewhat English or Spanish like one right. of the two is very likely um, so like I don't know how, how true that is but it was something I heard and I was like uh, after that and I just learned about uh, literature not literature sorry um, linguistics mm -hmm. and my friend studies linguistics and he was telling me about it when I was like mate I just want to learn all of them now I want to go to Italy I'm mm -hmm. learning Italian now or I've just started so I want to learn Italian and then maybe French or German and then mm -hmm. move on but bro language is so so beautiful it's like it's literally like poetry it yeah. is like language is is sound poetry when yeah. you think about it at such a, a crude level you know so yeah what do you what do you think about languages in general like how do yeah. you feel uh so i it, it's kind of interesting so at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So I had studied French for, you know, those six years, and I feel like it gave me a good base to understand other languages that are built very similarly, like, mm -hmm. for instance, Spanish. Now, does it mean I can go read a full sentence in Spanish and understand what it means? No. But it... There, you see a very similar structure and pattern with some of the words, the way verbs are, verbs are conjugated, stuff mm -hmm. like that, where you can pick the meaning up yeah. of what's going on. And so when I went to Mexico, for instance, it was hugely helpful to have had that French background simply because I'm in this place that doesn't even have English words printed on anything. What does it mean without needing to pull Google out of my pocket mm -hmm. all the time? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I... I, I, I do absolutely love language um, from that aspect. One of the things that I do find intimidating, I've always been fascinated by like, you know, Cyrillic or things like that, but I cannot read it at all. But I've yeah. always wanted to go to somewhere like, you know, Russia or Japan or somewhere where they have an entirely different character set. Yeah, and, and a different way of that. doing it as well. Yeah. Exactly, yep. Yeah, that's interesting, man, because um, obviously Spanish is a Latin language. Mm -hmm. English is a Latin language. Uh, what other ones are Italy is based French, on Latin Italian, yeah. yeah so it's like all of these these things like if you know the the term aqua is mm -hmm. aqua is water it's agua in Spanish it's probably very similar in French mm -hmm. so it's like you can like you said generally get an idea about what someone's saying it's like uh, I know I speaks uh, Catalan as well and Catalan's kind of like this cross mix between Italian French and Spanish mm -hmm. and it's like you hear certain um especially French and you hear certain aspects of certain words and like even if someone spoke in French now the weirdest thing is I don't speak any French mm -hmm. but yet I can kind of gather roughly what the conversation's about mm -hmm. which is something that's so incredible but then you get into German or Chinese oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's dialects involved and it's like they are literally an entire different kettle of fish and you, I feel like you just have to treat them as their own entity you know right yeah so I went uh, down to New Orleans a couple of years ago and there uh, there is a French Creole presence um, and so when I heard the French Creole, it's interesting. It's like, what's French I, Creole? So it's uh, basically a version of French that uh, was uh, spoken or is spoken down, I want to say, like, kind of in that whole southern region of the United States, as well as like 
Um, I'm probably forgetting some of these islands' names properly or miscrediting, but I want to say like Bahamas, stuff like that. They uh, speak Jamaica. French. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. So there's this whole like Creole. It's like half French, half its mm. own thing, and it's really cool to hear um, because they also speak differently than the French. But you're also like those are some of the same words. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was just really interesting to get to hear that and and learn what's going on and mm. i mean new orleans itself is a really sick city because a lot of american cities are i'll be honest seem kind of bland to me just because most stuff is newer but new orleans goes back to like the 1600s and you know the french have had a presence there forever they've been you know taken over there have been various wars all kinds of old monuments stuff like that there so to have that cool bilingual diversity going on down yeah. there was really neat Oh, that's cool, man. That's really interesting. I never even knew that. I, I just, I, I'm so, uh, I mean, I'm undereducated in that I thought they just mainly spoke Spanish in Southern America. Um, I've always wanted to go over. Southern America looks nuts. Like South America in general, like everywhere, like it's all of it. Uh, Colombia's there, right? Yeah. yeah right, I should clarify. I say like, uh, uh, so New Orleans is in the Southern United States, not oh, Southern, the Southern America. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. a different, different border. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Obviously. Yeah. But um, but yeah, man, it's it's interesting. Like I love I love the way it all works, language in general. Like I said, it's like musical in some ways. It's almost right. like this thing that's like, it's just super interesting. But like, what do you want to learn next? Have you got like a next tick off or? Um, I mean, so when I was younger, it was important to learn German, and so I had when I started high school and I started learning French. I kind of. I don't want to say fully abandoned the German side, but I did kind of abandon that German side and I really want to study and get that back again so I can reconnect with, you know, reconnect with some of my relatives over there. Granted, I'd, you know, be starting from at least a decent place with that. Um, I'd also like to, I'd honestly like to learn some Japanese. I really want to go over to Japan one day mm. um, and I need to pick that up. At the same time, I'm slightly intimidated by it too. So yeah, it's, intimidating it's language, needing man. to, yeah, it's like needing to work work myself up to to get to that point of studying it whereas i some languages are i think easier to learn than others so. yeah of course yeah but um yeah norwegian apparently um dutch sorry dutch uh, is meant to be one of the easiest languages to learn mm -hmm. from an english background so oh, if you sure. ever want to learn a quick language i don't know i want to as well but yeah that's interesting but um but yeah in terms of like traveling stuff i know you've been fairly round more or less like pretty cool places like for you like where are some of like the highlighted places that you've been um, so I think one of them, so this wound up being really cool experience, uh, for a while I was traveling for work. Mm. And so when I was traveling for work, then I would, you know, make sure to take time for myself as well and, you know, see whatever it was. So I got sent down to San Luis, Mexico. And before I went, I hit up my buddy Andres, uh, and I said to him, yo, I'm going to Mexico. Is there any food I should eat? Is there anything I should try? Anything I should do? And he's like, where are you going? I said, San Luis. And he's like, oh, well, that's where my godmother is from. Mm. Um, and so um, he linked me up with his godmother. And I went around with her, her husband, and their daughter. Um, they took me around all the old town and stuff like that. And just to see the really cool old architecture, learn some of the history. With, su with such a random connection like that, yeah. too, was really cool. And really Aww. meaningful so yeah that was probably that's honestly one of my very favorite experiences it's yeah. just the different 
I'd say in general, it's like the different people that you meet really is probably one of the best things about it. You yeah, know? you're right, you know, because um, for me, one of my favorite countries that stands out weirdly is Milan, Italy. Mm-hmm. It's not like a country you go to to be like, wow, Milan. Like, it's got some real cool stuff about it. But the thing that I love the most about that that place is the people there, bro. Like, mm. I don't know if you've ever met, met the Milan training the guys, um, all of the parkour guys there. They're, they're cool, bro. They're really, It's like their community is like... It's maybe like from when I first met them, there was maybe 20 to 30 of them that continuously mm. train on a regular basis. And like I went there and they're just so friendly. They're so helpful. They're so, yeah. they, I hope one of them is listening to this. They'll be <laughs> and uh, they just say like, they do everything in their power to make you feel, feel comfortable and they show you around. And it's like, I just, for me, I live for that kind of stuff. So whenever I go there, it's like I turn up and it feels like I'm at home. Oh, so yeah. yeah, you're right about the fact that like wherever you go, if you can make a connection in terms of like someone who lives there or someone who's been there a lot or anything, it's like mm-hmm. it just takes that place from feeling like you're in a foreign place to feeling like you're at home again. Yeah, that's one of the things I think that's been really great with the parkour community in general, mm-hmm. I have found is that people tend to be, you know, open to, you know, meeting other people and whatnot. So. Like this past winter, I had gone off to Marseille, France, because there was a big parkour jam happening there. I'm like, yeah, I want to go check this out. So I went, and I'd always wanted to go to Marseille. So went down there, threw some backflips on the beach, did obstacle courses, you know, met met all these cool French guys, and had a great time. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting the number of doors that parkour has even opened because I've met a bunch of people here in London mm. through it, met people in Paris through it. Um, Went to a big jam in Chicago last year. Um, yeah, there's so many. I think because it's a niche sport um, that you're gonna and you get really interesting, cool people who do it and are willing to open up and meet you know others. Yeah, the one thing I love the most about parkour in general, though, like is is the mindset of on, among the groups tends to be pretty like the same. I'm gonna I'll go on to two things. One mindset in terms of like physical mindset, and the other being social mindset. Right. Mm-hmm. So one thing I've learned through parkour is number one, although it's all the people who do parkour mainly have a very strong growth mindset in terms of like they really want to be better they'll push through boundaries they'll push through commitments they'll try their very best to do like all of this amazing stuff at the same time i in london in particular i'm sorry to the london training guys but they're like toxically competitive mm. and like it's almost like if you're not good enough to be on a certain level certain people are very very toxic towards mm-hmm. you i'm friends with a lot of the parkour guys but at the same time i also don't feel comfortable in certain ways being around them mm-hmm. because it's almost like if you can't do a 20 foot running pre it's like oh you can't really train with us today sorry guys right, but when i go yeah. to italy it's like you do a one foot running pre and it's like everybody's like wow that's good for you like you smashed mm. it but yeah i don't know i don't know if you've noticed that but the london training group for me i don't know without talking shit it's just a bit more like bit more harsh i think sure yeah i guess i haven't experienced that personally but i mean the guys have gotten out with have been pretty cool so mm. yeah a lot of um, them are and yeah. very accommodating for sure yeah yeah and i know for a fact i'm not anywhere on the level of of a lot of these guys but you know it's kind of like what where is it that you're at and what are boundaries what personal boundaries are you pushing through and i think that's like the most important part that's really. it man that's what parkour lives and breathes bro it's about like just being able to help each other through certain things and through the art of a long time and strength and, and conditioning your your make it basically attempting to make your body like this thing that does things that a lot of people can't do so it's always like like i said earlier that shared hardship um so yeah for me parkour changed my life bro i was like Mm -hmm. i was a very um i was one of those kids that had so much energy and charisma that i could have gone one of two ways a growth healthy mindset or i could have gone down a very naughty and criminal background i think like that's without like trying to sound all like i don't know just weird i just think that with my kind of personality it's very fiery and very 
pushy i feel like i could have gone one of those two ways and i'm so thankful number one to my family for just pushing me always in the right direction Mm -hmm. and number two having shout out to my original guys adam mckenna and james ward who lit and and zach mayer to be fair who all literally like kind of there's a few other names in there i feel really bad ben gray tom (laughs) right anyways um but literally like these guys literally like taught me from the age of like 11 12 to be like look this is what if you focus and and put a lot of time and effort into something you can gain results Mm -hmm. and instead of then taking out of that that i was naughty at school that like kind of like aggression anger whatever um and and putting it into bad things i was putting it into this like new thing and and i'm i get obsessed over things bro when i pick up a new hobby i obsess over them like i picked up running recently like i said and now i want to be mo farrow like it's crazy so for me parkour is parkour is that for me and that's what i really love about it Right. Yeah. I mean, same thing. I, I just really love having the new challenges and especially as, uh, you know, I've gotten older, you know, I'm in my thirties now and on top of it, not wanting to hit the same urbex spots in my local area again Mm. and again and again and again, this gives me something to always be working on, always getting, you know, always be getting better at. That's like the one thing with urbex is I feel like you can you can kind of only go to a certain point really with it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with parkour, there's always new challenges to really be pushing through. Not to say that with urbex, you can't like, obviously, you know, get to more risky spots or whatever, but they're like, you know, like the word is it's risky. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you don't always want to be risky or sendy in that way. If it's going to get you into like legal trouble or, yeah. or whatever, sometimes the more you do something, the more likely you are to get in trouble for that. So yeah. parkour gives you a way also to, you know, stay out of, stay out of getting into too much trouble. Yeah. Know? Yeah. You're right as well. And it's like with parkour, it's like, there's always new spots pretty much anywhere you yep. go. There's like you said, there's new challenges and it's relatively low, low risk, low impact on people. Whereas, mm-hmm. whereas, uh, urbex is very subjective. It's very situational. So it's like wherever you go in the world, yeah, you can do urbex, but like at the same time, like there's only so many buildings you can climb. And as you do it more often, they, they get more smart with how they deal with it. And, yep. and the laws get tighter and this gets this and this gets that. And before you know it, it's like, it's not, it's, you don't get limited by your ability. You get mm-hmm. limited by other factors, e.g. injunctions in the UK or in America, mm-hmm. trespass being a criminal offense. So it's like, I like parkour because there's, there's really no limits. It's completely dependent on, I mean, physical and, and ge- like, geographical and demographical stuff yeah like if you're if you live in a in a place where you can physically not access parkour spots mm-hmm. i get it if you're not fit enough if you've got a mental yeah. problem or a health problem may i may i say um like these things might prevent you from doing it but in general parkour if, if you've got access to most stuff like you can get better and better and better until your talent stops <laughs> yeah, you get yeah. fat and fall off like a lot of people do yeah yeah i was fortunate too uh to meet so i I had thought for a long time that we just didn't really have a parkour community where I lived until a few years ago. I was um, out on lunch break and I ran into these two guys that were, uh, you know, doing some jumps on the planters outside the building I was working in. And I stopped and I talked to them. I'm like, yo, are you guys doing parkour? And my buddy Holden's like, yeah. Um, And so we just got to talking and now Holden is one of my best friends. And um, he's actually one of my coaches too and has helped train me with backflips and other stuff. So um, it's just, 
it's crazy how kind of that one thing or that one chance mm-hmm. encounter has led to all this other stuff. And he was saying to me too, yeah, most people when they say that they sound super st- sarcastic. Like, are you doing parkour? Yeah. Um, and he's like, you were genuinely interested. Yeah. So that's literally how I met my friends as well. I saw, I went to a parkour gym and they were just training and they were doing some of the most insane stuff. And as a little kid, I was just looking at them like, wow. Mm-hmm. flips. So like they ended up coming up to me and be like, Oh, I was quite good at the time. And they were like, Oh, you're quite good. Like you should come out of us. And it's like, just by that one, like shared interest, it's like you then gravitate together. And I ended up, I'm still friends with them now. And this mm-hmm. has been like seven, eight years on. And it's like, for me, like, I don't know. I love that kind of stuff, you know, like these sports, everything, like if, if anyone's listening and really wants to like, they're looking towards like, I don't know, uh, wanting to get more friendships, better connections, have a better life quality, really. Like, I just recommend picking up like a sport where you can meet people and and it's not too much stress and you can go out and you can kind of travel and and communicate with people on a different level. Maybe alternative sports, not even alternative. You could play tennis and still meet cool people, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But for me, like, that's one of the best things I ever did for my own development. I don't know about you, but like you said, you've met your best friend. I met Mm -hmm. two of my best friends through climbing as well on parkour. So it's it's a cool one, man. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you mentioned alternative sports. That's one thing that I wish when I was younger wasn't as, uh, what would I say, poo-pooed upon, I guess. Yeah, like, taboo is a good word. Yeah, I when, I was, when I was a kid, I remember I had, you know, taken gymnastics and stuff like that. But there was very much of a, well, that's for girls type of yeah. vibe. And so then mm-hmm. it's almost like you were pushed into team sports. But my brain never really worked that yeah. way to be wired up to other people and do this stuff as part of a team. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I also did like uh, Nordic skiing in high school, which yeah. was, uh, you know, a lot of fun. And so it's again, it's also some of that exploration aspect, too, because you're like you're out on the ski, you're out on skis in the woods and, you know, finding your way around. So, yeah. oh, man, that's cool. You know, that's interesting. It's like, um you just said you did nordic skiing in mm-hmm. school can we yep. just bring that up for a moment yeah, yeah. you'll be lucky if we played fucking football at our school like <laughs> our school was a sports academy and uh, obviously we played football like we played a relatively good range of sports table mm-hmm. tennis football bloody bloody blah but there was no skiing going on like bro with sports here i think in america sports is um i follow a lot of like the, the opens like the national opens for things like athletics and, mm-hmm. and various sports and like it seems over there that sports is more of a culture in terms of like you guys have like big ass games you have like literally like all of this stuff whereas here like a lot of people don't even enjoy sports at high school here like it's, it's i really appreciate and i really like i respect america for how they deal with sports in, in high school so yeah yeah we had i mean a lot of after school activities. I swear like half the school, you know, after the school, but school day got done officially at two, then I swear half the school was doing some sort of activity afterwards, you know, Mm. for another couple hours. So, Oh man, I'm so jealous of that. Like with American schools, like I've always seen online, like, Oh, I've seen movies. And is it Mm. like movies? Like, is it, is obviously like in my mind, in my mind, it's like bullying the kid for his lunch money. Mm. Like, fucking lifting up someone's underwear like pants in them or whatever it's called like the whole like oh the girls are really girly and the jocks are really jockey is it like that in real life or to some extent i think movies really over exaggerate it but you know to some extent it is i felt it was really in some ways it was more like that in middle school in high school people loosened up a little bit um and it became more chill to do other stuff but Mm. it was I think, at, you know, when you're that age, too, a lot of people just want to fit in and you're trying to figure yourself out. And yeah, so, so there's that whole aspect of things going on as well. Um, 
but I never went to a high school party that was like what you see in some of these movies either. Like yeah. that's just not a thing. That's just a movie thing, really. Yeah. But... Oh, I'm already hoping, bro. <laughs> We've had high school parties, but they don't look like these. Just sororities and that, like they do in the movies, like sororities. And... Yeah. So uh, when I went to uni, University of Minnesota, we had. Um, Basically, there was it was called Fraternity Row, but it had sororities and stuff too. But yeah, basically one long street filled with these big houses mm. that had, you know, the various fraternities, sororities, all that stuff. So yeah. there is a Greek culture at a lot of universities oh, in the US. Cool. I'm glad that was a thing. Like, I've always low-key had this fantasy of being mm-hmm. a British boy and going to an American school. Like, I'd, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll be honest. Like, the idea of, like, being a, a British boy, like, the way it's made to seem here is that if you went to an American school with a British accent, it's like you'd be a celebrity. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'd say... I remember there was one girl that we had in like uh in my 11th grade class who she was from the uk and everyone wanted to be friends with her i swear because of her accent i missed out you know i missed out i really i've had a fantasy since i was a kid i'm telling you like just pulling up to an american school and being like hey guys i'm from the uk type b do you know what i mean like, yeah. i don't know why i said it in an american accent though, but, do you know what i mean though i'll do the tea like oh i sip tea and go to the park that kind of shit you know what i mean right. i don't know it's a cool fantasy but i've always I just, one day i mean i'm too old to go to high school now like, yeah yeah i couldn't pull up now it'd be a bit weird but it's just like I, I don't know i like attention anyway so it's like i don't know i just bro I don't, i'm gonna do that one day i'm gonna go to an old person university like, hi see what happens but yeah, no. So what? In general, it's like it's pretty normal. Like, what's like uh, the whole like jock situation? Like, are they like the t- typical fucking assholes that you would, you'd expect them to be? Or some of them are, some of them aren't. Like one of the like one of the guys, um, uh, Aaron. Well, well, two of them actually. I'm thinking of these two guys, Aaron and Justin. One of them was like big hockey player. Both of them were big hockey players. Another was a big football player, and uh, they were. Uh, they were actually some of the chillest people, chill, nicest people I ever met, um, mm-hmm. especially given like their athletic abilities. Cause I think sometimes people do tend to get cocky with, you know, their abilities and they were just really humble and nice about it. Yeah. But then on the other hand, you do definitely have the, the people who are just jerks. Like, um, there's one of them who, he used to bully me a lot when I was in middle school, early Fuck high school. Kid, and yeah, for real. And it kind of bothers me now because now I found out later on, he's like, you know teaching youth football and i'm like that kid used to bully me i sure sure hope he's like nicer person now but yeah, saw it out a little bit yeah yeah that's interesting man because obviously bullying in the you know in our in our schools is my school in particular was heavy like it was mm-hmm. a heavy thing like people got everyone got bullied at one mm-hmm. point i feel like no matter where you come from what background it's almost like if you did anything out of the ordinary you'd get picked on like wear a different hat color wear a different tie color, oh yeah you'd get ripped the living fuck out of and like in my school, I'm not sure if it's the same there, but like in this country, I think that people have this like, if if you disrespect each other, I've noticed that fighting is very, very common here. Mm-hmm. Like at my school, I think that I saw a fight like every lunchtime. A lot oh, of my wow. friends were getting into fights. Everyone was getting into fights. I feel like if you didn't fight, you'd get looked at like being a little weak boy mm-hmm. or a little weak girl. Well, I went to an all boys school, by the way. Um, and yeah, like in my school, it's like if, if I've literally saw people like kick the living fuck out of each <laughs> other for like the most minimal stuff, like just for mm. like making a mum joke. I watched this kid once, or I didn't see it myself, but it was like school celebrity news. Mm-hmm. Literally, like one of the quiet kids was getting picked on by some guy, and this like quiet small kid like just punched this motherfucker knocked his shit out, was like beating the fuck out of him like that, and he was like at the bottom of a stair set. And, like, this guy ended up upside down on the stairs, uh-huh. like, just fucked. And it, it, this kid was, like, a celebrity for it for ages. Is it, is it fighty there? Like, do you, mm. man, like, real throw hands? Because in the UK, it's like, you'll fuck each other up. Like, yeah, I'd say, 
not so much within the school. You would, at least wherever, all the places I've gone to school, you'd get in pretty big trouble for that. However, uh, like you'd get, you know, especially if the fight got better, remember some kids getting suspended and that was a mm. big deal getting suspension. Really? But um, it's funny you mentioned that story because I do remember there was one kid in one of my classes, home economics, he was just relentlessly making fun of me. Like yeah. he was picking on me every day. And one day, he, I can't remember what he said, but he just said something that, made me so outraged yeah. that I literally just flipped my shit and yeah. I punched him and then he was so in shock that I punched yeah. him that like at first he was just quiet and he practically <laughs> had to pull his jaw up off the floor yeah. and then he's like Mrs. Pajerski, Mrs. Pajerski tore and punched me. And then yeah, she, snitching like that, yeah. Yeah. And so then she turned around and she looks at him. She puts her hand on her hip and she's like, that's because you deserved it. No way. Yes. That teacher's a G, you know. That yes. teacher's a fucking G. Yes, absolutely. I love that moment. Bro, that's, those kind of moments are what I salivate over. Like <clears throat> watching those bully beat up videos. You know what I mean? Like in my school, when I went to school for the first time, our school got, literally in the newspaper as called fight club it was in the newspaper as being called fight club because it went before my time it was a lot more rough at the end of school years there were these like fucking mythological things that we used to talk about that were like famous where like two schools the the rain and mark school and the howard school used to literally like get groups of people hundreds of people and just have group fights on the field at the end of every year and like someone got put in a coma over it and they it stopped after that but like until that it was like this school was literally like incredibly well known for just being a rough school when i was there it changed um like administration our head teacher changed Mm -hmm. and then they took this like no tolerance to fighting policy so by the time i'd left by the time i'd left it was like i got in a fight when i was quite old in school which was like just some kid just we was playing around he slapped me a bit too hard on the back of my head i lost Mm -hmm. my shit and just punched him that's it like i was i've always been the type of kid who's i'm not like i'm not an incredible fighter but i don't like being disrespected to a certain level and i do lose my temper sometimes so i get it It is what it is it's not exactly the most like oh it's not cool because you fight because it's like is what it is but at the same time like it happens anyways and like at that time um i managed to get away with it because i was friends with a lot of the teachers so i actually got away with it quite Mm. well but like uh, in our school, when I was young, it'd be like, they'd pull you apart and that's it. Go about your day. But towards mm-hmm. the end of school, if you thought it was like you had to go away from school for like a week suspension mm-hmm. and then or whatever. And then you'd come back and I had to have a, I had to, when I come back once, I had to have a rehabilitation meeting. They had to sit me down and be like, so why did you hit him? <laughs> why did you have a fight? Like a rehabilitation meeting. Like, what are you on about, bro? Like just the weirdest thing. And it becomes super like really left wing, care about everyone's mm-hmm. feelings mm-hmm. type beat. And um, yeah, but like, I don't know, like it's, it's a weird one with fighting. It's like, do you let kids fight? I think it might be a part of like development. Like yeah. when someone's being bullied, it's like certain school procedures just don't cut it sometimes. Yep. So like when someone's bullying you, like you said, and you just whack the shit out of them, they're not going to bully you again. As yeah. long as you get the job done and you don't slap them like that and like, <laughs> and like do, and you get bullied more. Like as long as you get the job done, you won't get bullied anymore. Like mm-hmm. I noticed that in school. People who fought got away with a lot more. So, um, but yeah, towards the end, it become like, mate, it was like, if you thought you were going to prison type type thing. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a pretty weird one with schools. It's like, in our schools, they were quite rough. But now it's like, bro, our schools are horrendous now. Like they're mm. like with rules and stuff. It's like uh, some kid was telling me the other day that now in school, like everyone has to wear non-branded clothes. You're not allowed to wear a coat with a Nike tick on it anymore. You uh, When I was there in particular, you couldn't have your hair cut below a five, which is, I don't mm. know how you 
guys measure your haircuts but like a five is like a 0.5 sorry is really short Mm -hmm. and like you weren't allowed below a 0.5 you weren't allowed too long hair i had a friend who had an afro in school and the teacher was like cut it and he was like no i'm not cutting my hair and he left the school because of it he left the whole school because he didn't want to cut his afro off and it's like bro when you take kids in their highest level of of development and growth when Mm. they're trying new things out they're trying new makeup they're trying nails on they're they're trying their push-up bras on or the boys are trying to wear tight (laughs) t-shirts or have their hair long it's like when you take away the only thing where they're trying to figure out who they are becoming as people and you you monotone it i think that i guess that's a kind of good word to use it's like you just create this grayscale world it's like how the hell are you expecting your kids to be creative and i've always said that schools are a place where creativity goes to die Mm -hmm. i don't think that schools hold creativity in a, in a good capacity unless you're specifically studying art at like university or something right and uh, even then people who i know who have gone to to university for school based uh, for art based or creative based subjects always come out and hate the fucking subject because mm-hmm. it's just like you go into a university and it becomes such a hassle bro like yeah cool it's cool to know about the history but when they're quizzing you on the life life's like t- timeline sorry or the life um of a certain artist or whatever it's like bro it just deads the the creativity so for me like i hate schools man with that kind of stuff so yeah yeah i mean for me i think in school the experiences or or classes i always enjoyed were the ones that got me to like really think about stuff so i think one of my favorite classes was civil liberties where we learned about not just how the government works but like how we are like they're inalienable rights that we have as people, for instance. We learned a lot about that or, you know, how to defend yourself or or different things like that. Like civil liberties is one of my favorite classes because you learn about things like civil disobedience. Yeah. Um, you know, what does it mean to be a good citizen? All, all yeah. kinds of stuff like that. So or like the world history classes, some of that. But yet at the same. Yeah, I mean. At the same time, the way stuff is taught, if you don't have a good teacher or you have a teacher that is only kind of pushing stuff at you without you engaging with it, then it's not going to be a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, one of my favorite teachers, Mr. Oberg, from back when I was in high school, I had read a news article about him and I ran into him fairly recently and it was really cool seeing that like he has continued to like keep up with the times and keep people engaged in his classes and stuff like that. And so I think that that's, you know, really important, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do, I, I would agree with the assessment that schools are where a lot of creativity can go to die at the same time, it's a you know, tombstone, man. yeah. Yeah, that's mad because like uh, when you just said that, bro, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm quite interested in how the American education system works. And I imagine a lot of people are actually because I've never been taught about it. Like here, I could list on probably to both hands the subjects you get taught at like mm-hmm. a basic level. Mm-hmm. Math, science, In this is secondary school for me. I know different schools have different options. So we had math, science, um, history, a language, um, citizenship was our mm-hmm. only like kind of like exotic one, religious mm-hmm. studies um there's probably some really bait ones that i can't think about um just really basic subjects when i hear about mm. civil liberties bro like what are my what's our education system doing that you got taught about civil liberties and i got taught about the most dead basic boring <laughs> shite it's like what like how do how do you get to pick your subjects or do you get taught like a range like i think there was no more than 10 subjects you learn mm-hmm. in general until you go to like um until you go to a level or college mm-hmm. where you can pick specialized subjects Sure. So like, I mean, I'd say in high school, the, you get more choice. Um, you still have to take certain types of classes. You have to take, everyone has to take English classes and science classes, for instance, but you get to have more choice. So, um, 
you know, you got, we got to choose our language classes. We even got to choose what type of phi ed classes we took because some people want to do more sporty athletic ones. Other people want to do more yoga based ones. That's so much better. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we did get, I'd say we got some choice in that civil liberties was a class that I got to choose to take. Um, but we, you know, we had to have a, they want us to have a good basis and understanding like how government works, how citizenship works, stuff like that. And, mm. um, yeah, it's, it's that they, it's, I think it's that they loosened up the reins a little bit and just gave us some choice for classes. Bro, that's so much better. Like, I, I, bro, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I think I'm going to spend a bit of time living in America at some point. Like, I don't know. I just, I like the way that your country operates with a lot of things. Like, um, with just by hearing that, like that kind of stuff, like it's almost like here they actively censor real world skills. Like the idea to learn real world skills that you are actually going to use on a day to day basis is like almost like this avoided here. Like for some reason, I get the undertone in the UK that like you're kind of designed to just be a drone a lot mm-hmm. of the time, and like you're kind of just designed to fail in a certain way. Like it's kind of designed for you to be like, right, cool primary school secondary school you learn all your basic mm-hmm. stuff you get your grades you get a job you work you go home you get a house you get a mortgage you get in debt you pay off yeah. a student loan and it's like just that general it's incredibly incredibly hard here to break that and it's like with with subjects in particular like if we just gave i've always said to everyone if we just gave our kids a bit more uh, creativity in terms of like people learn at different rates they have different mm-hmm. abilities um Schools obviously have a one-size-fit-all policy, which is, is a problem in so many ways because um, you can't independently educate everyone, but you mm. also can't educate every human on the same basis. I was lucky in that I'm a, I'm a school-based learner. I can learn in many environments. I can learn from reading from a book. I can learn from watching a movie. I can learn mm. from doing it. Yeah. Whereas I know, for example, I know her it struggles entirely with learning in a school-based situation. So she, for, she went throughout her life in school thinking that she was dumb and mm-hmm. unintelligent because of the fact that she wasn't an academic learner but she's come out of school and she's incredibly talented in so many things so i don't even think i'll I'll, i'm gonna hold my heart to this and genuinely say i don't think i'm gonna educate my children at school Mm. i think i'm gonna either hire people that i i I trust to treat the best ideologies and subjects Mm -hmm. for my kids or teach my kids myself subjects Mm. they take interest in Right. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. if my kid grows up and he's incredibly good with numbers, I'll and he wants to learn a technical job, I'll teach mm. him technical jobs, or mm. I'll hire someone to teach him technical sure. jobs. If they're an English-based uh, like academic learner, they can do that. If I, if my kid's not interested in maths, I'll give him at least a basic education in maths. But mm. after that, like after. 12 13 years old once he knows how to add and subtract and all the basics like i don't see there being any point in teaching him pythagoras theorem because i've never mm. fucking used it <laughs> and the important thing is it's just it's not about knowing the information yourself it's about knowing where you could find it if you need it mm-hmm. or knowing someone who has that information so i don't know about you but i'm educating my kids myself in some way shape or form yeah i mean i personally would probably find that aspect stressful like trying to teach someone mm. else but like i totally respect someone doing that at the same time yeah. you know what i mean yeah 100 percent. because like as well as uh something that i don't agree with is is the way that the uk teaches children about authority and the way that they teach them that you have to be scared of this or if you do this wrong you have to like base but these aren't like things like if you murder someone you go to prison mm-hmm. I, obviously that should be instilled but it's like they kind of teach like the level of like they enforce the the kind of state-run attitude that things like uh, the police have to be respected just because they're a police officer mm-hmm. or an old person has to be respected just because they're old. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think that respect is something that is entirely earned, entirely based on a person. And I don't think that you should have to respect someone because of a uh, a position that they're in naturally. You know what I mean? So so for me, I don't know. I just, I, I don't like the idea that they teach authority the way they teach it. Right. Um, 
because authority is is a big load of bullshit and it's almost just teaching you to be scared because like if you talk to any uk person now who's not an urbexer or does like parkour or something and you're like oh why don't you come and do this right this completely victimless harmless activity and they're like no i can't do that i might i might get caught by the police like i hate that shit man mm-hmm. like, i want my kids to be like look i know the law i know my rights i know what i can and can't do yeah and if they break certain laws at least know how to get away with it like right I, i'm i'm a victimless criminal right not convict no i'm joking but no, I'm, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a victimless person I, I i don't think that jaywalking for example in america should be a crime that's like convicted or, or like yeah. fined for and i don't think that you should have to stop at a fucking traffic light like i'm some idiot who doesn't know how to drive a car right or mm-hmm. not like i mean a walking traffic light uh, not like the driving traffic light some are obviously important for traffic movement of course don't don't rinse me because of that but like in general like when it's like a red light and it's like if i can see no cars are coming i'm gonna walk over the road why do mm-hmm. i need a light to tell me how to cross the damn road right yeah there, i mean there's a whole f- interesting thing about jaywalking too like i know that back in the day that was not something that was considered to be illegal but in one way of you know how we've destroyed our cities for cars that was one thing where they really started pushing we're going to make the streets for cars and you got to stick to the sidewalk or else. Whereas if you look at photos back in the day, people were all out in the streets and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, I don't want to get too tangential on that yeah. point, but yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird, bro, because I just think that like slowly over time, freedoms have been taken away. And historically, mm-hmm. when a freedom gets taken away, it does not get given back to you, bro. That's just a fact. It is, is, is proven. It's well known. It's happened in history. It repeats itself. When you lose freedoms and you give up freedoms, you lose them forever. You're yeah. not going to hand them back to you on a plate, are they? When have you ever heard the government go, oh, by the way, guys, we're going to give this back to you. So when people become complacent to give up certain rights or give up certain things, you're never getting it back is the problem. Right. When, you, when you give a government, for example, um, the idea that they can take more and more away from you and you constantly go, oh, another mm-hmm. thing, okay, don't worry, okay, don't worry. By the time you know it, everything's taken away from you. And it's like during COVID, bro, it was, it was the craziest in the UK because they were using COVID because people's minds were so like, I just want to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. They were passing laws and bills during COVID, which are life-changing laws. They were, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they were laws to, to make trespass illegal, to make residing on the side of the road in a van illegal, to make um, travellers in the UK, you know what travellers are, like gypsies who stay in caravans oh, yeah. and move mm-hmm. around, making that illegal. They were trying to make it, so listen to this one, right? So during COVID, a police officer could force entry to a home if they sus- reasonably suspected if someone was in your house that wasn't part of your household, right? Mm-hmm. But the reasonable suspicion could be that the police officer heard or might have seen someone through the window. How that the is fuck ridiculous. could a police officer look through my window and go, oh, that person with dark hair doesn't look like your mum and break my fucking wow. door down if I didn't say yes to letting them in the house? How can they, like, how can they even do that? Not to be like, oh, US is better, but that is one thing I know that is literally in our constitution mm-hmm. is illegal search and seizures. Police yeah. can't do what you were just talking about and yeah. it's baked right into the founding document yeah, of the country it's in the document bro what i love about america in terms of your constitutional rights is it's written the fuck down yeah you have a piece of paper that says yo you can't do these things and this is another reason that i think i would like eventually i'd like to spend a lot of time there or even like be involved in some way because like your systems are so much well more well developed and like the idea I'll, I'll bring a big topic up about i don't know how how um passionate about this subject you are the idea of owning firearms to me is something mm-hmm. that i am desperate for that to happen in this country mm-hmm. like the idea to me that one human can't defend their own life mm-hmm. 
without obviously like to a certain extent i could defend my life with certain things but i think that not being able to have something like that to, to defend your own life it, it's so important bro because mm-hmm. your life is your life at yeah. the end of the day when i call the police if someone's in my house and they've got an illegal gun from the street mm-hmm. and they've got it in my face and i'm about to die and i don't have anything to do about it like this isn't me calling the police and then turn up five minutes later when right. i've already had a bullet in my head yeah like i need to have the assurance that i can protect my own life i don't trust law enforcement to protect my life mm-hmm. i don't trust the government to protect my life i don't trust mm-hmm. anyone to protect my life my life is me and my own thing to look after and when you take away if i lived in america for example um with like people uh, they're trying to make like uh, in certain places gun laws a bit more strict and whatnot mm-hmm. you probably know a bit more like uh, when I hear about that, I almost like, although it's, I'm not there, I get frustrated because it's like, you can't take away these people's right mm. to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I think guns should be a thing in the UK as well. I mm-hmm. think that everyone should have the right to own a, a weapon. Because um, at the end of the day, if the police are more armed than you are and something ever happened that you don't, dis- if you disagreed with, how the hell would you ever protect yourself? Right. If we went into apocalypse and the idea of authority went out the window and all of the police are armed and they just start gunning people down and I can't protect myself. That scares the shit out of me, man. I'm a big believer in, in mm-hmm. protection, especially in in, a, in your own right. And I'm a fleshy, vulnerable object. This neck could get slit. Yep. This head could get hit. Mm-hmm. These legs could get broken. And it's like, when you'd have nothing, and a weapon is obviously an efficient killer, a knife's all fun and games, but they're dirty and they're, 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 irris- they're um, unreliable and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just think that for, for personal carry reasons, it's, it should be so much more important to own firearms. Um, and obviously in America, people try and chat shit about them being making the streets more dangerous and whatnot. But obviously there's there's countless statistics and data that, that back up. I can't quote any right now, but I listen to a lot of podcasts on gun control and laws that say that obviously uh, the guns have a better benefit in terms of looking after the country and the people mm-hmm. feeling more secure than, than not. And as well as obviously the fact that media only really um, me- uh, puts out media articles on the bad situations. Right. How many times have you heard an article about, oh, someone broke into this person's home and he shot him in the fucking face because he mm-hmm. tried to kill him and saved 10 kids who were in the other room. You don't hear right. it, bro, but you'll hear about these mass shootings with weapons and everyone's like, get rid of the guns. No, don't mm-hmm. get rid of the guns. Sort out the mental health yeah. problem, bro. Yeah, there's sort out a the mental health problem. Because I, I mean, I would say I own a gun. I have a Glock 45. I'm so um, jealous, bro, please, I need to come there. Like, I'm so jealous. And it's and, and in in my opinion, I think it's it is my constitutional right. First of all, second of all, you know, and I think you were making this point earlier. If there's something that is, if someone is facing a gun at my face i have no other logical option than to point it back at them if Mm -hmm. you've taken away my ability to speak or reason with someone what other choice do you have yeah um at the exact same time i do think there is a problem in the united states with like i don't know that like with the most recent shooting for instance an 18 year old kid like basically went and shot up the school and was able to just get a gun right away i think there does need to be some sort of mechanism in place um to allow for at least maybe you shouldn't there should be maybe like i don't and i can't speak to being super knowledgeable about it but maybe there should be some sort of check in place so that you're not just going to go you know take it and do something with it right away um that you're you know you're a stable person so so i happen i happen to be quite knowledgeable on that particular shooting because i listened to a podcast Mm -hmm. two days ago about that exact situation Mm -hmm. so the guy who got the gun in the recent america uh, school shooting he had no previous criminal record, mm-hmm. had no previous history of anything going wrong. He got a background check mm-hmm. and bought a weapon, mm-hmm. all in the legal system. Mm-hmm. He then, obviously, by the way, in school, he got nicknamed the school shooter, may I add. Like, this is obviously a big thing. Mm-hmm. And 
all of these things he went through all of the systems he went through the background checks he mm. went through the right means he didn't get this gun illegally this gun mm. was a, he, he owned this gun you know what mm-hmm. I mean he then obviously go, goes and done something bad with it the, the police refused to go in for a long period of time didn't mm. they so obviously all of these things is not necessarily uh, obviously they do get background checks He's, I, I don't believe that it's necessarily control control how many guns there are it's control like you said the situations around weapons and the yeah. processes involved but the process is the system is there and the system failed it did mm, fail right, yeah. but it didn't fail in that they done anything wrong it failed in the the system of uh kind of it's like how would you deal with it it's, I'm, I'm trying to understand because it's like this person had no criminal history mm-hmm. he had no criminal record it's like he then got a weapon shot up a school how would you, anyone recommend dealing with that the only thing you can approach that from is a mental health perspective yeah. you've got to kind of help people to not get into those situations in the first place because if you do any more on the systems of, of weaponry and whatnot mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the gun system that, that went wrong it's the policing system in that mm-hmm. in the, that instance it's the lack of training to those yeah. police officers who didn't enter the building for however many, many minutes it was and get there quick enough which could have saved countless lives and I hope they get held accountable for yeah. that as well because for those who don't know the police officers stood outside the building for like 45 minutes before they entered the building so it's like the system around gun control didn't fail this person the system around hard hardening schools mm-hmm. making schools one way in one way out mm-hmm. whatever you need to, to protect that the back door was open by the way is how this, this shooter got into the building the, the actual back door was open I feel like a parrot right now because I'm literally repeating exactly yeah, what yeah. the guy said on the podcast the other day the guy come in the back door, entered the school. A classroom door was ajar, by the way, is how he got in. He tried getting mm-hmm. into a few other classrooms, but the doors were closed, as they are. And then one of them was left ajar because people, when you don't have a school shooting for such a period of time, no one believes it's going to happen to them. Yeah, yeah. So they get lazy and they get complacent and they leave the door ajar. And because that door got left ajar, those kids got shot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at that point, it's like, what system failed? The mental health system failed and the hardening of that school mm-hmm. failed. I don't think that the the gun laws failed there mm-hmm. because what are you going to do? Keep even the most significant background check wouldn't have stopped that kid mm-hmm. getting a weapon. Even the most deep process of getting that rifle wouldn't have stopped mm-hmm. that kid shooting up the school. It's the both the mental health and the the protection of that school that I think failed. But yeah, yeah, I don't think there's a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, and I I think too more people just need to be better trained. Um, for instance, like I was watching, a, I was watching something recently, like comparing like what is U.S. like versus Switzerland because Switzerland is also a very heavily armed country, but they go through a lot of training and they take classes in school and everything else, and it's like guns are also a part of their culture too. But I think they've learned how to live with it yeah. and you know deal with it in a way that is healthy and responsible for owning it, and it's just like oh guns, America, yeah, it's like you know yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to learn how to you know do it because a gun. Is, yeah. can be used like a you know like a knife or a scalpel or anything else you know either yeah. use it for good and, and and that's great or uh you know you might i don't know how to use a scalpel should some should i have scalpel um but that's maybe not the best example but you yeah. know what i mean like yeah, yeah, yeah but the thing is like you're not going to stop violent crime like in america right, yeah, in yeah. particular in the uk guns are available if you mm-hmm. go to the right person you can buy a gun for four or five hundred pounds i mm-hmm. imagine a handgun it's like if you give people act the guns aren't going to go away bro in any situation yeah. the guns are not going to disappear so you have to ask yourself the question is it better giving people the ability to have a better relationship with weapons mm-hmm. understand what weapons are how they work why we use them and the best situations to yep. use them yep. 
Or are you just going to be like, this is a thing you can't go near. It's scary. It could kill you. I think that you should head it face on and be like, right, yeah. this is a gun. As a child, it should be educational. Uh, it should be the education's right, the state's right, and human's right to teach their children and teach the kids, this is mm-hmm. what a gun does. This is why we use them. This is how we have them. Yep. And teach them regularly. Do updates. Because how many people have a gun under their pillow? But yet, if someone broke into their house, they wouldn't know how to use it properly. Right. Yeah. Far, far, far too many. I just, mm-hmm. I know that that's the case. Because sometimes, too, I think that there is a culture of, well, you know, if I own a gun, then that makes me, you know, a real American, a real man or whatever. It's like, well, you, Fuck that. you need to, you know, you need to know how to use it yeah. responsibly. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's like just removing like the stigma that that's a killing machine. I know it is a killing machine, but it's, it, it's like if you teach a child that this is a gun, this is safety. You don't point at anyone. This is how you use yep. it. This is why we respect it. This could save your life. I think that would solve so many problems. But. But like I said, the the main problem there is the mental health crisis, and like that is the reason people who kill people are mm-hmm. mentally ill, bro. Like there's yeah. no two ways about it. And it's like um, America just uh, spent forty billion giving money to Ukraine, and although that is a good thing, cool, give them money. Forty billion dollars, bro, could be used to harden schools. Mm-hmm. It could be used to increase uh, the amount of mental health uh, education and and whatnot and and treatment. It's like. You can't justify spending forty billion dollars in another country when you when you could spend that money doing way way better things. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's a whole other can of worms too mm-hmm. with you know foreign aid and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. too. Um, yeah, it's always very controversial at home with how you know how we're spending our money and what we're spending it on and yeah. stuff like that. I just want a gun, bro. <laughs> like like I said, I was in cadets for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've shot weapons. I've mm-hmm. shot maybe four or five different types of uh, weaponry and, and these are big guns these aren't right. little play around guns i got taught how to to take the weapon strip the weapon clean the weapon i got taught mm. all my weapons drills i got taught how to on on um unjam it if i need to what would happen mm. like there's like five different jamming drills for certain types of weaponry and um and for me like i've grown up just with this respect to weaponry i don't i don't look at it and think oh that's something i'd use to kill someone but like i look at it and be like wow this is a very powerful piece of equipment yep and um i've had the i've been very lucky not many people in the uk get to to play with weaponry and i've got i've been able to be uh, become a marksman and, and mm. do very well in in certain competitions in terms of um shooting guns and stuff. i fucking love them bro i love mm. a gun shooting a weapon is like just it tingles you inside yeah. <laughs> unlike anything else i've never shot a, a handgun before i really wish i could but I've shot guns longer than me at the time. Like that mm-hmm. gun was longer than me, bro. I was a tiny, oh. I was f- 15, 15 I had mm-hmm. to be to shoot this weapon. And it sat in my shoulder and I'm going, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we only shoot in three round bursts with that. It's, it's out of commission, that gun now, but, um, or that rifle, should I say? People get pissed when I call them guns. Um, so in general, like, yeah, like I, I've shot weapons and I, I see the value of having them. So yeah. obviously like, well, I'm not, I'm not a fucking big politician. I don't, there's probably so many different factors involved, but like, there's just not many under, logical decisions when it comes to certain things. So right. I'm very jealous that you have a gun. I'm incredibly jealous. Yeah. And like, I can't, I can't help but think that, you know, say world war two, for instance, it would have had a different outcome, you know, mm. if more, if more citizens had been armed um, yeah. and were able to fight back. Not that I think that we're always needing to fight back, but um, that was a case where like, yeah, if citizens had been armed, it would have had a way different outcome. Yeah. What do you think? Right. So someone brought up a good point recently, right? So Ukraine citizens aren't armed people. I don't think they don't have weapons in general. When Russia then invaded Ukraine, if you compared it to America, you guys all being armed or not all being armed, but a lot of people having access to weaponry. What do you think it'd be like if, if for example, you were in Ukraine's position and Russia invaded? Do you think people would just go out of their house and be like, fuck yeah, I'm protecting the homeland 
and just shooting the fuck out of these Russian people or do you think they would flee? Because obviously in Ukraine, they have this like, they have always had, for their, because of the fact they've always had this threat of Russian invasion mm-hmm. for the last 10, 20 years or however long it's been, they've always had this level of like, right, we need to always be ready. Like mm-hmm. when you walk through Ukraine, bro, there's no fat fuckers around. There's no mm-hmm. fat guys walking around the street. They're all like, very strong people mm-hmm. and it's been shown when with the invasion how much these people are willing to fight for their country mm-hmm. do you think america would have the same response in terms of an invasion or do you think they'd just like be scared and run off i mean it's 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 in in one sense it's funny to think about because i think of like oh what would if what if canadians invaded kind of goofy sense. but like in a hypothetical <laughs> situation um i think like most well, it's hard to say for most people, but I guess I would say that um, there is a very big, like, private property rights is a yeah. huge thing in the United States. And so there would be a lot Seen of people who so would much. stick up You're for on that. private property, man. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which then, you know, I think property rights are very important at the exact same time as an urbexer. It makes it more high risk for us. So yeah. there's that whole duality going on there. Yeah. But yeah, I think just the fact that people do care about their property, um, a lot of people would want to stay on their ground. There. Yeah. Would you, if, if you're going to invasion up and... Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not giving up my, you know, what I've worked so hard for. Just yeah, you're, that's right. You to know be what, subject bro? to someone. I'm not patriotic, but if someone invaded this country, one thing I know England does right, and it's when something goes wrong, we stick the fuck together, and mm-hmm. that is just, I know that for a fact. I, our, our military is something that I'm particularly proud of. Our military mm-hmm. is, I'd say, the most well, well, in terms of raw training. You might disagree. I think that the the quality of the military in the UK is higher than any military in the world. Mm-hmm. Our special forces train special forces all over the world. We actively deploy everywhere and literally train everyone to do what we do we're incredibly mm. well-developed military you guys would shit all over us because you've got unbelievable amounts of spending unbelievable mm. amounts of equipment yeah um but obviously in terms of soldier per soldier training we have we've got a very well-developed military so that i'm proud of and i think that if we ever got into that situation we would fight to the fucking living death which is something mm. i'm proud of but other than that i haven't really got much to be proud of about the country in terms mm-hmm. of like the people um i like the natural landscape I like the general atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that our freedom is being taken away. Every right and every, sorry, every right that we have is being stripped mm-hmm. on, a, on a regular basis. I don't like the fact that even being able to live is becoming incredibly hard. We're stuck in, in these big fat system traps. Mm-hmm. Um, for that, I think I'd prefer to live in America, but for the for the patriotism in terms of like the military and just like being at one with our country, I'm, I'm okay with it, but... But yeah, I don't know. My, America's looking more tasty. But mm-hmm. then again, it's also going downhill there. Like, did you see obviously all the stuff that happened with the abortion stuff recently? Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. I haven't been paying attention to the news too much since I'm on holiday. Yeah. But yeah, I have heard about that. Um, it does concern me the direction that we're on in a lot of different ways. I've heard in the a lot States. has been taken away with you recently. A lot yep. has been taken away. Yeah, the past. I mean, the past several years, especially. You know, I don't want to get terribly political, but like. Yeah, um, you know, the past several years, especially under like, you know, Trump, it just has been really awful. And there's been like this attitude almost if you don't agree with if you don't agree with him, then you're not really American. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't fuck those guys. Yeah, man. That's, uh, and, and patriotism to me is kind of a weird thing because it's like on one sense, I am like proud of our country and proud of what it stands for. I'm learning U.S. history, you know, George Washington. I'm actually going to go see Hamilton tomorrow. And yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. and like uh I, we have a really cool history and I love our history and I'm quite proud of it. Even though, you know, my grandparents came from Germany in the 1950s. Yeah. I think that spirit that built America um, and that founded it is, is really awesome. But yet, 
like the blind patriotism people have or the blind idea that oh we're number one no matter what um i think is just really foolish and really yeah. silly um and closes people off so like if if you're just waving your flag around and saying america doesn't really mean that you love america you yeah. just love this kind of cartoon version of it really yeah. no you're right man it's yeah it's interesting like uh i've heard so much just more and more recently that like how it's going downhill with certain things and i really hope they they get on a path as this against that i don't know how well um biden's gonna do with with reversing the effects of that i don't know i just hope for a world where one day like it's an issue issue basis rather than just like how can you expect not that i believe that this one person actually makes all the decisions of course mm -hmm. but like could you imagine having like independent sectors specifically for certain issues like a person who involved directly with poverty or directly with gun issues and it's mm -hmm. like you basically have like a separate president for each thing who will work together to meet a common goal i just don't think that in a lot of the time in general uh, groups like the governments and, and councils actually have the real hot thing uh, what's the word the real interest of people at heart i don't think so i think it's more more money based but right. i really really um it terrifies me bro it ter terrifies me to my soul how how far i see things going now in the uk like just for an example um they've recently been uh adding cameras in london and in Kent that records sound levels around the camera. And if you drive past the camera and your car is above a hundred decibels, you can get up to a 400 pound fine. Wow. Or it's a hundred and they're trying to get it to be higher to be 400. How can you even do that? That's so invasive. It, invasive is, is a, is a absolute fucking understatement. Yeah. Some stock cars, some high performance cars like a Lamborghini or mm -hmm. even at stock level, their cars are louder than a than a so people go oh yeah but the rich people can pay the fines anyway but i have a loud car my mm -hmm. car outside's loud i do get it noise pollution can be an issue to a certain extent yeah but not an issue that's so much so that you need to start finding develop people and, and develop technology that like literally is clearly a money trap by the yeah. way oh yeah um so things like that scare the shit out of me because how long before it's literally like china where there's facial recognition cameras in the streets mm -hmm. that log where you're going on a daily basis. I see things like during COVID and during the pandemic, there was a lot of really subconscious hints towards if you comply, you get rewarded. And if you don't comply, you get punished. Mm. And it's like, this even comes down to a biological level. And um, obviously, as you know, and obviously in the UK, like I've seen that undertone been pushed for the last few years. Mm -hmm. And for example, the the um, Boris Johnson was talking about taking uh, people who get caught with drugs, taking their passports away, taking their ability to travel away wow. from them. And these little things like that get, they get brought up, but they never really get talked about. They're just mm -hmm. like a really subtle hint. I think that like is a really long term plan to just like kind of like get it into people's heads that that's an okay thing to do so i'm i'm bro i'm telling you i'm terrified to my soul about the fact that our country might be going that way in mm -hmm. terms of like you listen or you get treated badly for example like right now obviously the the cost of living is fucking crazy mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if our government didn't suddenly go oh we're gonna help you guys with this new government system that gives you access to money mm -hmm. like we have a universal credit here which is like a help helps people who don't have jobs or people looking for jobs mm -hmm. get money it's like your benefit system it's the yeah, same yeah. thing and um obviously like the way i see things this is just me speculating this isn't got any truth or it's completely a hypothesis there's no real background to it um but I genuinely believe that perhaps they're doing this 
in the and they might go to people oh we have this financial outlook for you because of everyone struggling and then when they have it and people take it then be like yeah but if you have a criminal record we're going to take it away from you mm-hmm. or if you don't pay your taxes on time we're going to take it away from you right. or if you don't do this on time or that all time or you have all of this or you do this wrong or you don't comply they they'll take away <laughs> they'll take away your your basic human rights mm-hmm. to things like shelter mm-hmm. water and it's like if we see big uh, organizations big companies taking over uh things like water plants uh oil plants gas yep. plants if the government and the state then controls those assets they can then control whether or not you uh do or do not have those things so for me like i i'm, I'm scared that it could go that way you know yeah. and it's like you basically like a social credit system in, a, in china where it's like if you're if you're rewarded for being good and it's like even down to like they don't let them on public transport if they don't have enough social credit that's so invasive. Yeah, I've heard of, I've heard stuff in China too about like that WeChat app, for instance, about how like it really gets into the. I mean, they look at the messages you send on everything, but you have to use WeChat to almost exist in daily life in China, which is really. I mean, granted, I'm already giving you know Microsoft and Apple and whoever a, yeah. a lot of that information it's already. A but it is a balance. Yeah, then the you know then the government comes in there too. It is yeah. interesting you mentioned like the cameras. So that's one thing. Um. It depends on state to state, but like where I live in Minnesota, for a while there, they were doing like speed cameras and red light cameras, and there was a big lawsuit that was brought up against it because uh, the companies that put those in are for-profit companies. Um, Like they literally, they they were caught basically timing the timing the signals to be a certain way so that people would get caught catching them going up. through that's crazy like man. like to to just dial back the time on say a yellow light by half a second well yeah. it might seem only half a second but you're going to get so many more people going who are through. used to the regular timing going through it and then getting caught and trapped that is insane that so, stuff is like that bro this is what i mean these little things that you hear and you're out and you're just like yeah it's a bottom line bro so yeah. So like what happened in our state was there was, you know, there were big lawsuits about that. And basically um, the state Supreme Court said, nope, these are illegal. You cannot use them. And so we don't have any speed cameras or traffic cameras, anything no like that. Anymore. I wish we did that, bro. A lot of the time we just in the UK, people roll over and just fucking take it, which is the worst thing about it. And it's like there's never I, I, I don't even think they give people the option to have public debate about these things i don't see i don't know a single way that if something happened other than if i contacted my local Mm. council and put and protested on a on a on a on a one-to-one basis or on a a council basis how i could actually resolve issues and that's quite scary and it's like again during covid right they were trying to pass laws that was making protest illegal protesting illegal may i also clarify they were using this under covid laws saying that it was because there were groups and people were getting covid you know what it was as well yeah it was also an individual protest if you walk to parliament as an individual person with no one around you and tried to protest they were trying to make it so you get a 10 grand fine and you could go to prison they tried to make it illegal to use a megaphone in public and they and they made they tried to make protests entirely illegal that's a fundamental human right like you know you're telling me it didn't go through so we got lucky but they fucking tried do you wow. know what i mean like they tried so you can't even to, to quote words from the u.s constitution you can't even petition the government for the redress of grievances yes. so bro like they go okay we're gonna take your babies away and we go how do we even say no you walk outside parliament and go you're not taking my baby away and they'll put you in handcuffs and send you to prison wow didn't go through Oof. 
thing go through. That is bad stuff. Yeah, scary stuff, man. Very, very scary stuff. It's uh for me like that kind of stuff is what makes me consider having children. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I'm gonna have kids, obviously, but like these kind of things like make me so worried because it's like like I said, freedoms don't come back after they're taken away. So yeah, seeing all these little things being taken away and push their luck, I feel so hopeless sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's why I like I I've desperately for my whole life wanted influence or wanted some kind of like ability to speak up like that's why um but like as i've I've, I've had conflicts with it i've wanted to be like someone who has influence i've then i've also not wanted my face on it and then i've it's like a it's a battle between ego and education it's like right you, like you everyone likes the idea of having their face on something and being like a public speaker but then again i would also like can i do it from a perspective that i'm not the face of it and i can like change something maybe for a company or for for an organization rather than right. being like the forefront of the battle you know what i mean right yeah i feel that so uh so yeah i don't know i feel like i've always put the weight of my sh- the world on my shoulders in terms of like i really want to make change but mm-hmm. i'm also very undereducated on how to do so and it's incredibly hard to do so so right might have to move to america but <laughs> i want a gun yeah you definitely have to come visit at least yeah 100 percent, bro. i'm gonna come through soon for sure like obviously um I know a few people from a few places. Um, I'll definitely probably, I think you're my, my main American contact source. So I'll probably uh, end up linking up with you there first. But it's, uh, yeah, in case, in case I get criminal records. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't, I won't. But um, but yeah, definitely. I've, bro, America has tickled my fancy for a long time. At the minute, it's financial for me. Like, I just can't afford to pay for consistent trips to America at the right. minute. Uh, the flights are a bit more expensive. But as soon as I can, I'm going to message you. Right. Yeah, I think that's where I've been pretty fortunate. Is I've been able to take. The, I mean, this is my third trip to Europe this year, so yeah, really I've been lucky, able to. Yeah. What well, the flat prices like out of America to the Europe to the uh, Europe <laughs> to Europe? Would, um, so I'd I'd have to talk in terms of round trip tickets, but they've been they've been all over the place. So back in January when I came here, I got round trip ticket for like three hundred eighty eight dollars, which is really mm-hmm. cheap, and then. Um, Gosh, the next one was probably five or six hundred dollars, and then this most recent trip was a little bit more expensive. It was like close to seven hundred dollars for a round trip ticket. Yeah, that's um, and I and I got so I needed to change some of the dates for mine. Um, mm. Not to go on too much of tangent, I had to change some of the dates for mine. Um, this should have cost me more than it did, but it was really nice to the uh, airline agent on the other yeah. side of the phone, and so she changed my ticket without oh, nice. uh, charging me more. So that was pretty nice because. Yeah. They were going up to like eleven hundred dollars between mid June through mid August. Yeah, and what is it you actually do? I've never even asked what your job. Oh is. yeah, so uh, my job, I work as a consultant, mm-hmm. an IT consultant. Oh. So um, I I don't technically work for any like big one company. Um, I I get a contract for like a year's time, and then I will you know do that year at that company. So yeah. I was That's most cool. recently like at Boston Scientific, helping mm-hmm. them putting in put in some new analytical um tools for their teams and now i'm currently at another company called rga and i'm uh, just helping them out with some it rollout type stuff so my main job is to kind of keep projects moving along um and i enjoy the consulting aspect i because i'm not tied down to any one particular company and Mm -hmm. after that year or whatever it is is up then i get some time to uh have for myself and you know take a holiday or whatever I wish you consulted me on how to sort this mic set up before because I, I was having a mare trying to get these mics sorted out. Oh, that's cool though. That's like a, yeah, it gives you like a level of freedom. I like that, man. That's a cool job. Yeah, exactly. Really I've been cool. able to pick up a lot of new skills doing it too. So yeah. it's kind of like you just get thrown into these situations. Like um, it's, it's actually thrown me into some really interesting situations mm. because uh, for instance, 
I had been working on a project uh, for 3M and they had put in a new computer system in their warehouse in, in Toronto, Canada, yeah. but had not done enough testing and kind of flipped on all the switches and they did this right before the holiday season. So yeah. as you can imagine, this warehouse just got stuffed full of things. Things were freezing out that Oh. They were freezing, like medical supplies were getting frozen um, out in the loading docks in the back because uh, the computer system just didn't know where stuff was even. So yeah. I came as part of Hypercare to clean that whole thing up. Um, and that experience then is like, well, I'm in Toronto, Canada. What else can I do? And I was there with a whole bunch of other people my age working on this project too. So, uh, you know, after work, after working these crazy 12 to 14 hour shifts, we'd all go out and... Uh, you know, we'd have that shared bonding experience you were talking about and, you know, see see some of the cool stuff to do in Toronto, yeah. which is a really fantastic city. People yeah. don't often think about it, but it's like the New York of Canada. So highly recommend Toronto. Oh, man, that's cool. I really like that. Cool, bro. Right, we're at two hours, 11 minutes. Uh, so I think we can wrap that one up. For it's been sure. fucking sick having you on, bro. For yeah, sure, it has. Man. I really appreciate you coming on. Like, it's been really interesting, man. I, I feel like I'm more educated on America now. I like it, which is... Uh, She's really cool. Like, have you um, have you got social media, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to plug yourself? Yeah. So my uh, Instagram, you can find me at tpeg.jpeg. That's kind of the main thing that I use. <laughs> um, I post off and on. I go through like these little flurries of posting where I'll, you know, I'll post my pictures, then I'll be kind of quiet for a while. But yeah, tpeg.jpeg is where I post my cool, photos. Man. Yeah, we'll do this again when you're next about for sure. Like, if you come on a little trip soon, we'll do it again. Yeah, love yeah. to. Yeah, cool, man. Anyways, perfect. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the You're Gonna Die podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you're interested in more content like this, follow my Instagram at housey.underscore. I hope you enjoyed this. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.